the pride of Limerick, a young man named Sean Sheehan. The MMA media, Don Graham McDonald. The severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot, and I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Episode 107 of the Severe MMA Podcast is here. My name is Sean Sheehan, and like every week, I'm with Graham McDonald, supporter of the second most successful team in English football history. This week, we're going to be talking about uh, Bamator. Um, we're going to be looking forward to UFC 209. We're going to be talking a little bit about Cyborg, and we're going to be answering all your questions in a jam-packed show, which is going to be really fun because I can't wait to talk about UFC 209. That's going to be brilliant. And Graham was at Bamator as well, so we're going to get heavily into that. Before we do, let's give a shout-out to our sponsors, rosnutrition.com. Head on over there, rosnutrition.com. You can get 25% off the promo code Severe MMA. If you're going lifting weights, if you're going to be strong, if you're looking up Blue Thomas's um, Twitter page for uh, for a guide on how to lift, this is where you need to go if you're in Ireland. rosnutrition.com. All that protein, amino acids, stuff for sports performance, strength and conditioning, creatine products, fat loss, joint health, all that good stuff. Go on over there, rosnutrition.com. Promo code Severe MMA, get 25% off your first order. S-E-V-E-R-E-M-M-A, 25% off your first order. ROSnutrition.com, do it. You'll be helping us, you'll be helping yourself, you'll be helping ROS Nutrition, good Irish company. It works out well for everyone. There you go, ROSnutrition.com. Graham, how are you? Good weekend? Good, good. Yeah, I thought it was appropriate that uh, Man United won the trophy with, uh, with breaking the rules. I thought that was very appropriate and fitting for the... Listen, Man United didn't break any rules. It was the referees who incorrectly implemented the rules. Yeah, Man United winning in Man United fashion. A couple of dodgy decisions to be expected. Look, as as a, as a supporter of the most successful club in uh, in English football, I don't mind. Look, if we win them, you know, by any means necessary. Five Champions Leagues, that's all that matters. That's that's all I say. Oh, you're going, trophy that matters you're, in football. you're going to that one now, yeah. Provincial clubs, provincial you clubs. Actually, Will you give up on the Clubs, come on. You actually don't have five Champions Leagues, do you? If you're being uh if you're being true about it. European clubs. Yeah, well you said yeah. Champions Leagues. If you're going by Champions League. Change the, how, many, how many Premier Leagues do you mind not have? Sure. What, nineteen? Liverpool of eighteen? Is that it? Or do we have twenty? No. Pre- premierships, first divisions. Yeah. If you want to change the name. That's what I'm saying. I'm giving you the correct I'm giving you the answer. We, Manchester no, United. It was the premiership more. before it was the Premier League. They win all of those stats. Man United have more leagues and everything than Liverpool. What, what are you talking about? If you want to say the Champions League don't count because they were called European Cups, then the Premier League. I didn't. Don't count I didn't say that. I never said that. I said if you want, if you want to say that, I, I don't. <laughs> so what are you saying then? You said Man United have nineteen Premier Leagues, which they don't. They have nineteen leagues. Yeah, not Premier Leagues. Are they? Tw- have they twenty now? Did they win twenty? I think they won the twenty, didn't they? We knocked Liverpool after our no fucking idea. perch anyway. That's all the main. But uh, before before we <laughs> into mid, did you watch the England and uh, did you watch the England no. and recently the rugby match? It was no. it was unbelievable. It was brilliant. Did you hear what they did? Like Italy, Italy didn't yeah, commit the rocks. It was brilliant. They didn't yeah. commit the rocks, and they just like went off. They, well, they weren't offside, but it looked it's like not, they were it's, not, it's not rugby. It's not rugby. If that's not if that's rugby, then I'm not playing rugby. I'm not <laughs> managing rugby. I hate rugby. Fuck rugby. Well, that's you, not rugby. Did you see Matt Dawson? He went off like, oh, they ruined the game for everyone out. The game's gonna be ruined. Every local team's gonna be doing that. Like, good. Why not? They found a way around it. Bravo to Conor O'Shea. Fair play to him. I think he should be managing Ireland. To be honest, 
although uh, your man, manager Joe Smith is pretty good now as well but I thought that was brilliant the match is on YouTube if anyone wants to watch it it was excellent I had a pity they didn't win if Joe Smith can't even win a B tournament like the Six Nations then he needs to go he's won two of them already no, this year, I mean, though, these B tournaments, we need to win the, in the World Cup. Oh, crap. That's where it's at. We need to win the World Cup before I'll be yeah. impressed. These provincial rugby tournaments are no good. I agree with, I agree exactly. with you there. Right. <laughs> that, was a, that was a good sporting sporting discussion of the weekend. Was that <laughs> Pissed off a lot of people in the first five minutes. <laughs> uh, fuck what they think. That's what I said about it. Right, let's get into... Um, Bamator at the weekend. You were up there in the SSE arena. I watched it over the span of about thirteen hours on television at the weekend. It was a pre- it was a pretty 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 good card. Um, look, we'll talk about the fights and stuff first, and we'll get into the the whole TV online streaming thing afterwards because I, I have some thoughts on that. <clears throat> and let's talk about the Bellator portion of the card first, where you had uh, Liam McGarry almost getting knocked out by uh, Brett McDermott in the first round in the first. Not ten seconds of the fight before going on to win in in the uh, in the second round. You James Gatter obviously winning by submission or your neck choke pretty easily in the first round. You Sinead Kavanaugh losing and you had a couple of other fights in as well. Overall, on the Bellator portion of the card, it wasn't maybe it wasn't as good as the Bam portion of the card, but it's it still I suppose it's still delivered with some good fights. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, the whole the, the card as a whole, the, the Brett McDermott fight. I, I don't know if Liam McGarry was nearly knocked out. He got knocked down, but. I think I think he was he had his wits about him from from what I saw. I think um, I think it was more more uh, he was caught unawares and dropped, and then he kind of. I don't think he was ever close to being finished, to be honest. Yeah, well, yeah, you're right. Maybe I I, miss, I said that wrong, but and I was watching another dodgy stream at like half five in the morning as well. So, uh, yeah, you, you that's illegal. That's fucking illegal. You probably had a better stream. Mod bra is perfectly legal. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> not wrong with that but yeah uh, I thought he put up a fairly good show now coming in what, three or four days notice yeah Ian McGeary. definitely he came out of retirement he retired about two weeks ago and I'm sure he's been Brett McDermott's been drinking beers and eating it up and, and then he gets the call oh do you want a main event Bellator and he hands Liam McGeary and he says yeah he comes in and he he brings a fight to him Um, and yeah he nearly as you say he dropped him and he he, he could have uh, could have been a big upset but McGeary was able to get the jab going get the distance going and uh, landed a huge knee on Brett McDermott that looked to finish him but McDermott tough as nails he got back up grabbed a hold of a, a single leg and got to his knees and managed to managed to survive he was willing to step into the, the pocket and trade and um I think McGeary was taken a bit unawares by uh, how good how good uh, Brett McDermott was doing in the early stages what percentage of the crowd was still there from the uh, highest and, and that one twenty percent probably really 30%. was it that much twenty or thirty percent yeah I think so still there or twenty or thirty percent gone I say there was probably about seventy percent gone Jesus and it's not Bellator's fault this time or not Bama's fault you know the Chris Fields falling no. out what could they yeah. do about it really but God that. Irish MMA is very that way like and like the thirty percent of those fans that stayed are probably kind of people like me who maybe aren't connected to like a gym and just are MMA fans. And I reckon like the 70% of other people are like people from gyms and stuff who like their fighters are going out or, you know, they're going to like an after party or something. Now, that's not universal. Obviously, a lot of people would stay as well. But that, that team seems to be a thing. I remember myself and uh, the lads, I think Pete, was saying a, maybe like a year ago or something. I think maybe one of the Bamators or a Cage Warrior or something like that. We did, we did a chat and he was saying like, 
it's hard to know at local shows how many people are actually there because you know some people are cornering people and there's like you know some people leave when their people have fought and that's it you know the show's kind of over them there and i think that's kind of a tradition maybe at irish mma a little bit and uh that that could have been uh that could have been a little bit of it here but you know yeah i think the first outpouring of fans was when uh, reese mckee after the reese mckee fight i think he had a lot of people there with him and once uh once that was over a good few people left that's kind of mad. That was pretty early, wasn't it? What the fuck were they doing? Yeah, I think they were just very disappointed. Yeah, I think he sold one hundred and nearly a thousand tickets apparently. Really? So, uh, yeah, I think somebody said seven or eight hundred. I'm just looking at the attendance here. It says ten thousand four hundred and sixty-one. Was there that many people there? Um, I wouldn't have thought so. No, that that might be wrong. That no, but it says that here in Wikipedia. That that's surely wrong. Jesus. But anyway, I suppose we'll uh, we'll get on to some of the other fights. James Gallagher against uh, Kirill. Uh, you can't really say much about this. I suppose James, you know, he, he looked good. He got a he's striking the last time I was talking to PT about it. it. Looked he looked a little bit off. You know, he looked a little bit too far out of range, and he he obviously looked a little bit better this time, getting closer into range. And he said himself in the, in the post fight uh, interview with Niall or, or the scrum that he he doesn't mind getting closer into range now because what's going to happen if he does get closer into range? They're just gonna you know, he's just going to get a hold of him, take him down and submit him, and that's kind of exactly what he did. You know, hard to see how good Kirill is really from this, or hard to see how good James is either. Like, it's just that there's a huge gap in quality between the two of them, and I suppose um, better days to come, but it was he beat what was in front of him in every facet of the game easily, beat him in the strike and beat him for the takedown, beat him on the ground. He just looks like James Gallagher looks looked like a phenomenal grappler. Yeah, he looks very, very comfortable on the ground, especially. And you know, there's big strides going to come from him, hopefully. And uh, you know, big things to come from from James Gallagher. Yeah, yeah, he came out and uh, immediately put the pressure on and forced forced uh, Kirill backwards uh, on the on, onto the back foot, and he threw a jumping knee to close and close the distance in against the cage, and then got the takedown with ease and immediately passed the mount couple of ground and pound shots and uh, gave up his back and sunk in the rear naked choke. It's pretty quick work and I don't think, don't think James got touched in the whole fight. Yeah. They're talking about him fighting AJ McKee next. Um, I was actually just talking to Niall before this and we were kind of agreeing maybe that's... It'd be a good fight, a great move, but maybe that's not the best thing for Bellator. You know, I was I was talking last week about maybe uh you know Tom Dukanwa against um Eamon Zahabi. Was it our, was it some, yeah, it was Eamon Zahabi, I think. And I was like, I think in the UFC that's okay because you know, you lose a fight, you can build your way back up in, in the UFC. There's so many guys, you know, there's there's so many opportunities. But in Bellator, I think that's a little bit harder to do, you know, because if say if one of those guys, if they fought and one of them wins, they're going to be vaulted in into maybe top top five, top ten of the rankings. But the other guy is kind of going to be with the kind of the people who you call cans or you know the not, you know the lower down kind of maybe people who should be fighting on the local scene going to be fighting them. And I, I don't know is that the best thing for Bellator? Wouldn't it be better for Bellator to build them up, give them? both two or three more fights until they both get into the top five top ten of their personal rankings and then have them fight that that would kind of make more sense to me do you agree yeah, or do you disagree that, um i don't know i kind of like the fight to be honest i think the the, the, the behind the scenes and the, the the talk that will go into it will make it really interesting and i think um i think maybe they should do james against somebody else in london and then have the, the aj mckee fight in ireland yeah like i think if it was i think it would do better in ireland. i think if it was the main event it would make sense you know, you need a big fight if you're going to put James in the main event. And I think, 
I think they should put him in the main event because I don't think he's going to pull out of a fight like, well, if he gets injured, he gets injured or something like that. They need that. They, you know, they need an Irish person in the main event. And now they try to do it with Chris Fields, obviously. But James Conner seems to have gotten a bit of a follow. And obviously, you know, there's unavoidable comparisons to Conor McGregor, you know, the tattoos, the looks, the the walk out to the cage, you know, the Billy Strutt, even nearly he's pulling out, you know, it's it's unavoidable. A young lad, you know, is still making his way up. And people, like, there's a section of people, obviously, who don't like that, and then there's a section of people who love it. The same way, as, you know, as is with McGregor, obviously at a very different stages of their career at the moment. But they're still, like, he's... You heard the crowd when he, when he was winning and stuff. Big, there's a big fan base in Dublin as well. You're going to have a huge SPG fan base. I wrote about it in my uh, my Shardog article before before uh, the fight. Like that, there's a lot of fans will obviously came in off the back of McGregor, and now he's the next thing coming along with the likes of in, in that gym with uh, Dylan Tuke and Franz Malambo and you know all the rest of them. I, I I really think he could headline a card if you're putting it on in in the um the Point Depot in Dublin. What there was four thousand eight hundred at the one where Duke and Wah headlined. I think they can probably do that again, if not open up the whole venue and, and do the whole lot of it. So, you know, I think that it makes sense. Do you, do you really like, th- there was talks of, the, of them coming back to Ireland in, what, September or October or something like that, was it? Yeah, they were saying probably before the end of the year. So, uh, yeah, yeah the London card is going to be in between. I probably expect James to fight on that as well. Um, and then, uh, yeah, if, and if he wins that... Um, I'd like to see him in the main event, unless they're going to have a big main event with an Irish guy. But I think James James can can draw. Like people either love him or they hate him, so they want to see him. Um, yeah, I don't see why why he can't main event. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think he probably should have main event uh, on Friday when when the when the Chris Fields fight fell off. I think they should have upgraded James uh, to the main event. Hundred percent. Yeah. Um. I suppose we move on through it. Right. There was a lot of fights on it. Um. Sinead Gavin, I picked up a heavy loss against Ioni Reza-Fiarsson, I believe is how you pronounce her name. I was very, very impressed with Ioni. Um, she came in, shot her wrestling, took Sinead down in, in every round and, and won the decision that way. Got a couple of 10-8s yeah. in there. I thought Sinead actually actually won the first, but I thought there was 10-8s. Yeah, she, the, she, knocked her down, she knocked her down in the first and she kind of ran in and tried to hammer face and got taken down. It was maybe a little bit of inexperience or a bit of a... A burst of adrenaline from dropping her, and she, she kind of uh, rushed in and got taken down. And and uh, once I only kind of was rocked on the feet, she didn't really seem to want much part on the feet anymore. And she kept she kept the grappling game going. And uh, yeah, she she won the clear decision, and uh, it was very good, very good performance by her. But uh, yeah, Sinead, Sinead, um she's she's only had five fights in her pro career, so she she'll be she'll continue to to evolve, and she'll be back better than ever. Yeah, like I even tweeted about it at the weekend. There's obvious, you know, obviously obvious work to do, but there's obvious quality is still there as well. And you could see her at the start; she was trying to fight a more a kind of a long game against a, a lot shorter opponent. And I'd say she might be regretting that a little bit that she didn't just go straight for her and and go to to take her head off. But maybe if she did that, she would have been taken down quick or something. But you know, you just don't know. I suppose there's ifs and buts uh, are always going to be a part of the game. But as you said, yeah, like. Um, it, sometimes it's not easy to know what you need to go and work on uh, when you're when you're winning all the time. But you know, she can obviously go in. She knows what to work on now. She you know it's, it's happened in on the big stage. You know, in Bellator, in in front of ten thousand people. Wikipedia says, and you know this. 
if she can work on that and get a lot better at that, she's going to be very hard because her hands are electric. She hits, she's one of the hardest hitters in that division, and I think you know at thirty five or forty five, she's going to be a she's going to be a real player in the future. Like that that loss is probably a thing that will actually do her more good than you know than anything else. Even if you look at Wonder Boy fighting this weekend, which we'll speak about later, losing to Matt um, Matt Brown, you know, a lot more people as well. It's happened, and, and they'll come back a lot better as well. Um, what happened with this Shea Walsh James McCardine fight with, with the way? Um, I tried to ask Scott Coker about it. He didn't seem to know, but um, yeah. <clears throat> Shea Walsh, <clears throat> sorry, Shea, Shea Walsh was given a 135 pound contract, and um, James McCardine was given a 145 pound contract to fight <laughs> each other. So they both turned up on weight and uh, on the, the different weights. Um, and apparently, then James, they said James McAleen wasn't allowed to put on. He was only allowed to put on up to 155 pounds. We heard. I didn't get an official word on that, so that could be wrong. But that's what, what the word was going around was, which is a bit unfair on him because he didn't do anything wrong. It was a seems to have been a promotional mess up. Promotional malpractice, you could call that to steal a phrase from my yeah, it's Luke Thomas good friend. Yeah. <laughs> that that's hilarious. Like, he hasn't said that in a while. He used to say that every week. Yeah, didn't he? I'm just gonna steal it now. I'll just people won't even remember. I'll just I'll just keep it. <laughs> <He'd>, Luke, <who? laughs> Guinness is delicious as well, by the way. Um, but yeah, and Shea Walsh won, even though he weighed in at 135 pounds. That's right. Yeah, Shea Walsh. Yeah, he he he, he ground out to the the decision. Uh, in the first round, it looked like McAleen was was uh, getting the better on the feet, but Shea adjusted and uh, worked the grappling and got the got the decision. Wait, don't mean shit. Wait, don't mean shit. Let's be honest. <laughs> right, let's get to the um to the other uh section of guard, the Bama section guard, and this is the one I want to get to. Paul Hughes, my God, he looked. Absolutely brilliant! What? Yeah, I, I, Paul I, I honestly can't. Say, yeah, I can't say enough good things about him. He came out, he was fast on his feet, good defense, good head movement, good accurate, hard, powerful shots. Kept the pace up when he, the guy hurt. He went after him and kept going and got the finish. Just that an unbelievable performance, like a star is born. I think you know. I I literally couldn't have been more impressed by Paul Hughes. Yeah, he looked really sharp. I think uh, I think he's been working his boxing with uh, Davy Patterson. He was saying, um, looking really sharp. He looked very composed out there as well, especially for a nineteen-year-old. And and even afterwards, he spoke well. And he's he's yeah, he seems like he's definitely got the potential to be a be a star. Um, we've been following him for a few years now. Like on the Severe MMA YouTube page, you can check out a few of his fights at amateur and a few interviews with with fight highlights mixed in. And uh, you can see how much he's been developing over the last couple of years obviously he's very young so he's uh the young fighters are like a sponge they pick up they pick up techniques really quickly a lot of them and he seems to be he seems to be evolving rapidly yeah he was he striking was striking was brilliant like he, he was so yeah. fast as well um and he's just really composed for a 19 year old especially on, on his first big stage i think in the, in the post-fight interview he said to us that uh that he liked the big yeah. crowd and that he didn't feel nervous once he walked out he just kind of took it all in and uh, enjoyed the moment rather than rather than being nervous, which is a uh, if you if you can if you can get that mindset and not not be nervous, it's a it's a big advantage. It's it's the looseness I think is the most important thing. Like people lose that as well. Like you see guys like that, they come out and they're so loose, you know, yeah. and then they overthink things and they don't do them properly and fucks them up. I don't think he's gonna do that. Hopefully, he don't do that. Just 
if he's listening, go out and do that again. Do it every time. Go out loose like that. <laughs> no, if, if he can keep doing that, you know, a star is definitely born. I, I honestly, I've never been as impressed by someone in a fight like that, so young and so good. Honestly, he could he could go all the way. There, there you go. He's first amateur fight lasted nine. I've seen him fight for ninety two seconds, and I think he's gonna be really good. So there you go. He had some, uh, he had, he had some uh, very tough amateur fights as well. He, he, uh, he fought everybody on the scene. Like he fought Dylan Tuke. He lost a decision to Dylan Tuke, and he lost a decision to Richie Smullen. But besides that, he, he beat Dylan, Dylan Douglas, Alex Badoy, Sean Paul Power, Ryan Thomas, Scott Harvey. Like these are some some good amateurs. He's fighting them back when he was like sixteen, seventeen as well. Like so. He's got a lot of experience for a, for a one and pro against against top guys due to his amateur amateur record. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, we learned through a couple of these uh, pretty quickly. So Keith McKay beat uh, beat Glenn Irvin you know, with a heel hook pretty quickly. Um, yeah, really nice. Dropped, on, dropped under and got the got the heel hook about thirty seconds or forty seconds into the fight. Yeah, Jonathan Reed and uh, Niall Smith last out, and uh, Andrew Murphy won one as well in the for, with first round, last two seconds of the first round. Um, I suppose before we get to the main card, Will Flory, very, very impressive as well. Another guy who came out and just took the head off his opponent. What I was most impressed with Will Flory in was some, it's it's very hard, especially when you're a big guy like that. What was he finding? Welterweight? I thought he was higher than Welterweight. 185. Was it 185? It says Welterweight here. Yeah, they're wrong. But no, middle it, it was, I was so impressed with how sometimes when you're kind of, from after like 135 145 when you're getting up past that <clears throat> guys find it hard to um, maybe go forward and throw combinations at, uh, accurately at the same time you know it's hard to move your feet at fast when you get into when you get to be a, a bigger guy like you see mighty mouse doing it all the time he's really good at it but he like he the left hook he knocked him out with it's kind of on that most times in that situation, that left hook would kind of blow past, past the guy or like hit him on the edge of the nose or something like that. Or, you know, it usually missed, but he was so accurate with it, so quick. And he still hit it with a lot of power, obviously, to knock him out. I was very, very impressed with that. I was impressed with his hands, you know, throughout the fight. It obviously didn't go on too long, but um, Will Flory is definitely one to, to keep an eye on in the, in the future, I think. Do you agree? Yeah, that's yeah, that's 2-0 and o for him now with uh, two first-round finishes. One uh, head and arm choke in, in about a minute against... Johnny Jitsu, uh, and now uh, first round knockout against Colin McClurkin, and it was a, it was a really nice knockout. It was two right hands followed by a left, and he kind of forced him up against the cage with his pressure, and put him away. It was that yeah, was very impressive from uh, Will Fucking Flurry. Yeah, he's a raw bastard. He's name. a raw bastard, fella. He, he's uh, <laughs> his Twitter uh, and our bio is the best ever. He says something about like throwing belts outside hillbillies. He's from Cork. So um, I, I, was, I was outside Hillbillies myself there at the weekend. So I was uh, I was lucky he wasn't around throwing belts or I would have got knocked out myself. But uh, fair play to him, yeah. So it was good to see people from Munster doing well and um, fuck that Dublin crowd, you know. We'll... Yeah, it's good that he had to, it's good that he left uh, Munster to come to the the big smoke to to develop his game. Listen, you know, he, he's developing their games that's what's happening let's be honest uh been, been foresight learns everything he knows from will flory that's that's what's happening here guarantee shots fired that's not shot fired we're we're shot we're firing shots here at each other but uh <laughs> anyway i've been foresight's actually fighting in brave i believe it's coming up i sat yeah, on his yeah. uh, facebook yesterday so shout out to him as well um coming up um jonathan brookens and decky dalton but on 
Yeah, that was a great fight. I, I wouldn't say it was the best fight. Well, maybe it was up there with the best fights. Oh, I really enjoyed yeah, it. it was a really, really yeah. good fight. I well, I'm looking and thinking of Paul Redman against Norman Park being a good fight as well. But up there, oh, up yeah, there yeah. for fight of the night, Decky Dalton came out. His hands looked phenomenal. His takedown defense looked phenomenal in the first round of the fight. He won that um, pretty convincingly, in, in my opinion. But it kind of all went awry for him there. Then in the, the second and third round, when Jonathan Brooklyn started getting the takedowns. The most noticeable thing I think in this fight was the difference in size. Just Jonathan Brookins towered above him. He was like two, two weight classes above him, and kind of I think the same thing happened a little bit with Peter Quilly as well, where he was a little bit stronger, a little bit bigger than him, and and that got him to win. But like Dickie Dalton, uh, if you've only seen him in those two fights, he's a guy that I think if he gets up against guys his own weight or maybe move down a weight or whatever. Um, I think he's a guy that can definitely take a few scalps, and he could have even beaten Jonathan Brookins at the weekend, but Brookins came back and did pretty well in a, in a good fight. Yeah, Decky was working the body really nicely early and was working the striking and defending the takedowns uh, easily enough. But then at the end of the first round, he got taken there, and I think Brookings kind of realized that that was, that was going to be his methods to victory, and he he uh, smartly came out wrestling for the for the following two rounds and took the decision. But it was, uh, it was, it was a good fight. It was... Uh, it wasn't a blowout or anything, but uh, but um, Jonathan Brookings at one stage took his took his back and looked like he was going to sink in the near rear naked choke. But Decky fought fought to the end and didn't give up and got out of the got out of the choke. And uh, it wasn't enough. But Jonathan Brookings is a very experienced fighter. He's he's one of the ultimate fighter. He's fought Jose Aldo like he's he's been there. He's done that. So he he uh, he's smart enough to see that uh, he wasn't going to win the win the fight on the feet against Decky. So he implemented his wrestling and it won him the decision. Yeah, I'd like to see him back in Bama again. He said he want like to fight in Bama, and he said he wouldn't mind fighting there again in the interview. And I laughed towards so definitely get him back, Bama. I think <clears throat> I've always been a fan of John and Brookings. I like him. You know, he's a he's a funny kind of guy as well. In in a and not kind of known, he's funny kind of way. So yeah, get him back over again. Have him fight in Dublin. Wouldn't mind seeing him. Um, all right, let's get to the main card before we get to the the three big Irish ones. This was Ronnie Mann we'll and Damian Lapalus. The, pre, the, prelim, the prelims of the the prelim main event was was recent in Barnett. Was it? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, it was actually yeah because I watched that on the stream before it went. Um. Yeah. Tough loss for East McKay, I suppose. Um. Although I was very very impressed with Tim Barnett, he came out and fought very well. You know, maybe not known to a lot of people, including me around here. Um. But I I was very impressed with him. Reese fought well as well. You know, I was out. It was a rapid kind of fight for the for the first however long I mean four and a half minutes mm. or so. No, I didn't think Reese fought well. I fought thought uh, Reese, yeah. Reese didn't look himself. Uh, yeah, he he, uh, he had a lot. Um, he he didn't want to say this himself, but he had a lot of uh, trouble before the fight. He had some kind of flu, and he was on the toilet toilet and stuff, and he he couldn't rehydrate properly. He couldn't even hold down water. So apparently, he he cut around fifteen pounds to make weight, and he was only able to put just under one pound back on before the fight that's mm-hmm. it but like no, taking nothing away from tim barnett like he looked he looked great like his clinch work was brilliant uh his striking looked good as well and them knees were vicious and th- them elbows on the inside that, that tim barnett was landing were, were were lovely as well i think he might have broken reese's orbital bone with one of them oh really i'm not mm-hmm. sure if it was one of the knees or one of the elbows but uh reese's face was a bit swollen up but it looked like it might have been an orbital bone um, yeah, yeah, Tim Barnett took it on short notice. Came in against the the hometown favorite, and he looked he looked brilliant. He got the job done. Um, Reese came trying to take his head off, maybe because Reese Reese thought uh, he might have to get the job done early. Maybe uh, I was talking to to uh, some of his team, and they were saying that uh, 
that he had no pop in his punches when they were warming up in the back and that he was kind of sitting in the corner uh, a bit ill. But maybe they should have pulled him from the fight, but they didn't. And he went out there and Tim Barnett kept taking none away from him. He, he finished him in the first round, which which is very hard to do against somebody of the, the level of Reese. So Tim Barnett looks like the real deal. Yeah, I I, I was impressed. Uh, I was very impressed with Tim Barnett, but I was uh, like I I liked the way Reese went out and fought. You know, I, I didn't even know he was sick until afterwards and stuff. But you know, just looking at it, he went out and he had a an enjoyable fight. If maybe not, you know, the smartest. I'm sure like he could have tried to make jab him up and take him down and stuff like that. But it was it was an enjoyable fight, and you know, yeah. I think Reese was loading up a bit too much. He, he yeah. kind of made himself even more t- used up too much of his energy uh, early swinging for the fences, but. It's easy to say in retrospect, if he had landed one of them big punches, we would have been talking about how he has another great first round knockout and all that. But it's it's, it's easy afterwards to to, to look back and uh, armchair yeah. quarterback. It might, the it might be a blessing in disguise too. Remember after his last fight, we were talking about how you know there was talks about him fighting in the UFC in in uh, Belfast there and stuff, and we were like saying, you know, maybe better off taking the kind of Tom Duke and Warut having two or three more fights. And this now, this loss might actually force him to do that, or force you know, force the team to to make that decision. To our you know, the UFC might say we'll we'll wait and we'll see another few fights, which actually might be a blessing in disguise, which will work better for him. You know, you saw look at the likes of Jimmy Manoa, Conor McGregor, even had a lot of fights. Kyle Pinder, the Neil Siri, all those guys back through the ages, and Tom Dukamano going in there as well. It's yeah. always it almost always benefits you to have extra fights outside it, and you it'll actually it might even uh, add longevity to your career if you're going to have a great career. You know, a, a setback in the long run yeah. actually can yeah, help. Yeah, a lot of uh, a few fans or a few fans anyway get on being like, "Oh, I thought this guy was the next big thing and all that," but it's uh, even the the best guys of all time they've all lost. Like Anderson Silva has multiple losses before he was champion. George Saint Pierre multiple losses before he was champion. Shogun, all these guys like. Yeah. Everybody but John Jones, who has one loss before he was champion, had multiple losses that kind of shaped them as fighters and closed holes in their games. And help, it, it, usually, a, a loss or two helps the fighter. And I'd say this would be the be the case with Reese. And maybe, maybe his team, maybe Rodney will Rodney Morey's experience, but maybe he'll he'll he he learned that um, if a fighter's that sick, even if it's in his hometown and he sold the thousand tickets, you got you, you have to pull him from the fight. Yeah. Maybe it's um, not even Reese that will that will. Well, I'm sure Reese will learn a lot from it, but uh, it'll be a learning experience for his coach as well, I think. Mm-hmm. And, I, and Roddy won't mind me saying that because he's he's straight down. He's he's no messing about. He he's no bullshit. I hope he does mind and just knocks you the fuck out next time you meet him. <laughs> <laughs> Rod, Roddy fought Alex Reed, didn't he, back in the? Or am I gone mad? Yeah, he fought. He fought um, Dean Lister in his last fight as well. Oh yeah, there you go. Ta- remember that fight between Tom Kong Watson and Alex Reed? Yeah, it was absolutely awful. Five rounds, five rounds of hell. That was that was. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> while we're on the five rounds thing, um, I saw Alan Alan Powerhouse put it up there about five rounds, and I was actually talking to I think I was talking to Patrick or someone about it. Do you think these fights should be five rounds? These championship fights in uh, in Bama. Um, I think the 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 real Bama belt, the the quote world Bama world title, <laughs> but not the Lonsdale title. I don't think. I don't I think, think any the world- of them should. I think I think if you're gonna call it a world title, it's got to be five. But it's not a world title. Yeah. Come on, let's be honest. Yeah, I don't think it's a world title now. Yeah, uh, I don't think they should because I don't think they're probably getting paid enough. No, like if they, if you want to go out and pay them like thirty and thirty 
for a five round fight fair enough something like that but uh, i don't know what they're getting paid but i doubt they're getting paid that much you know and if i was a fighter i'm like why am i going in having an extra two rounds and i'm not getting paid like they might get paid a little bit more but i'm not getting paid like enough money to be doing that so i was before especially when i was there for the, the duke and lock nan fight i was like oh this should be five rounds but thinking about it more i actually don't think it should be i think I'm okay with just the UFC and, and Bellator where they're getting paid lots and lots of money. Well, relative to the lower shows uh, to fight five rounds, I think it's better. But um, yeah, I, I think for the, the people's health and for the amount of compensation they're getting for it, I think three rounds is fine in, in these uh, in these domestic two. I definitely don't think it's in any big issue either way anyway. I agree. Um, as I was saying there, Ronnie Man and, and Damien Lapalus, uh, Damien kind of dominated that one. I thought Ronnie Man actually could have armbarred him in like the last minute of the fight, but he didn't really go for it. He was like, he had like the armbar position and he could have, well, he could have tried to kick him off anyway and, you know, get his, get his weight off of him and go for the armbar, but he never really went for it to like the last eight or nine seconds and he nearly actually got it. Uh, but time just ran out for him. But um, I think Damien Lapalus deserved that one anyway. Um, then the two big ones for the the interim lightweight title or the interim flyweight title, sorry, and the the light the lightweight title, which actually was never won in the end. But Andy Young first and Dominic Gooding, uh, I couldn't have been more impressed with with Andy Young in this fight. I thought he was thought he was just brilliant, especially against a guy like Gooding, who was a you know he's a terrible lad to fight against like just awkward long for the division long, good jab dirty kind kicks. of kicks yeah. yeah break your knees up and stuff and then young just didn't give a shit he just smiled at him walked True. through it landed yeah. all his shots that he's one of it's one of those things it's one of the hardest things to do in combat sports especially in boxing to get through a long reach like that and to get inside and just have a kind of a headless and not well headless is wrong but i have a head down go forward get through it i'm gonna win type of attitude and he had that for the whole three rounds or for what did it go yeah three rounds he got the rear naked choke in the in the third just f- excellent excellent display and like the improvements he's made from the uh, kind of last time I, I saw him fight like i i'll be honest yeah, i wasn't four, I, four uh, fights ago he, he kind of had a 50 50 record and he seems to really turn the corner i think we talked about like this last week and he yeah. just looks he looks to be really comfortable with himself and uh, uh, as norman park said in the post-fight interview or post-fight interview denial the He's really just kind of in the zone at the moment, and and young, and he's he's loving he's loving it. He's loving coming to train, and he's just really enjoying it. Yeah. Here's an idea, John. An idea. Andy Young Go versus Neil Siri in the UFC in Neil Siri's last fight. Andy Young and Neil train together a bit. I don't know. I don't. Really, I prefer Irish guys to stay away from each other if, if they can. <sighs> just just scrap that. Just scrap. Come on, I want to see that fight. It'd be a good fight, but props to Andy Young anyway. But whatever happened, um, very, very impressed, and uh, hopefully get the unification bout with uh, Rani Sada, I believe his name is, or something like that. But um, they fought once before, and they were a pretty good fight. But I think Andy Young has improved an awful lot, and uh, that'd be a good fight. Right, speaking of Irish guys fighting against each other in the the Bama main event, uh, Norman Park fought against Paul Redmond in a fantastic fight over three rounds, and as we predicted last week. It was a very, very close decision, you know. What was it? A split decision or majority? Was it a majority? Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. One one judge scored a draw, and the other two judges scored it two rounds to one for Norman Park. Um, first things first. How did you score it? Oh, I scored the first round for Norman, the second round for Redzer, and the third round for Redzer. Was it third round of ten eight? 
Uh, I have, at the time, I was thinking it'd be a 10 8, but I, I went with a 10 9. I was thinking yeah. it could be, but I went with a 10 9. But the second round was very close, and like Norman was on top for a lot of it. But I think Redzer was doing the better, the better uh, striking off the bottom, and then he got the soul. And um, I also thought he, he outstruck Norman in that round on the feet. But uh, Norman did have a lot of uh, uh, top position on the ground, and uh, the judges do seem to to go with that over good work off the off your back a lot. So I wasn't wasn't surprised with the decision, but I would have given it to Redzer myself. Yeah, I think 29-28 Park is fine. I think 28-28 is fine. Or I think 29-27 or 29-28 Redmond are fine as well. Uh, it's one of those fights, we, uh, as I said, we said it last week. It, it was always kind of going to be that. The drag it out kind of 50-50. Every battle is, you know, is a battle in itself. Uh, I scored it 29-27 to Paul Redmond. I thought he did nothing in the second, even though it was very, very close. It was a toss of a coin, really. And I thought he won the third 10-8. You know, Norm was... One of the most honest interviews I've ever seen Norman give to, to Niall afterwards. And uh, he kind of, Niall said he scored it for, for Paul Ribbon. And Norman kind of even said, I see where you're coming from. You know, it was one of those fights. And I want to see a rematch. I want to see a rematch next time they come to Dublin. Have the two of them lads fight again. It was a brilliant fight. There was a whole lot of respect. It was nothing in it, but, you know, a toss of a coin. And, you know, the two lads, you know, great pros who don't get enough respect for me anyway, like, especially Norman. I Like, Norman was a guy who kind of got this reputation for being, like, a not finisher going to a decision and stuff in the UFC. And, like, fair enough, he, he did get mostly decisions and stuff. But that fight was very good. You know, a lot, his, his fight in ACB as well was pretty good. Bloody kind of affair, went to war. Um, Paul Redmond as well, another guy who I've, I've said it for a long time in this podcast, he went in there against Mirsad Bektic, cutting about 94 pounds of weight. And I went in in Scotland and got knocked out in the first round against one of the, the Scottish home favourites as well. Never got to show what he his ability in the UFC. And he obviously came back one against Chris Stringer. And I thought he was very, very good at the weekend as well. Showed his box and showed his power. It's something that he's never been really, really able to show before. And he even said that himself um, afterwards that... You know, he was very gracious, gave severe main interviews as well. You know, he didn't need to do that. But um, I I think... What did you think What did you think of in the third round? I only saw that at the time from K-Side, but that knee from Redger looked to hit the body. I was nearly positive that hit the body, and Mark Goddard uh, yeah. said it was illegal, and that could have been a turning point because I think um, Redger was really piling it onto Norman at the time, and Norman got, got to take a, take a rest and kind of recover because of Goddard's call. On that one, I have, Bama haven't put up the fight yet, so I haven't had a chance to look at it closely back. But I was, I, I was, I was pretty confident at the time that that wasn't illegal. That knee. From the angle I looked at it, it did look illegal. But then they kind of showed a replay of it, and it didn't. And I think Mark Goddard was kind of looking at the same angle, the TV angle I was watching, obviously at home. And I think he was kind of directly looking at the same angle as the TV, and maybe been a little bit offsided. So he kind of just, you know, rather than taking the chance that the fight could end on an illegal knee. He said, look, we'll give him five minutes and, you know, we'll let him fight back at it again. So you can't criticize him too much. It was one of those ones that was very close, but I, I suppose only the two lads. But if he, did, if he didn't lads, see it, if, if, he did, if it didn't, if it didn't land uh, illegally, he couldn't have seen it land illegally. So he, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. That is true. But yeah, look, yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't, we could, be, we, could be, we could be wrong here and it could have landed illegally, but I, yeah. uh, from the angle I was looking at it, it really didn't look illegal to me. Uh, cage side. Yeah, I'm not sure to be honest. I look to hit the body. 
but I suppose either way, you know, it was, uh, it, it, I, I don't like Norman said it afterwards. You know, he's never given up. You know, you have to fucking kill him for for him to, you know, to lose. And I, some lads say that, and it's bullshit. Like, but I, I do. In fairness, I think that I don't think he was. You know, I think he probably would have survived either way. Now you'll you'll never know, obviously. But, um, would you want to see the? Do you want to see the rematch? It wasn't as if he was nearly finished, but it was. It was kind of Redzer was kind of piling it on more than he had been in in the whole fight. So the momentum was kind of with Redzer, and then it kind of got taken away by the stoppage. The momentum, but I, I don't think Norman Park was was about to be finished or anything like that. But um, yeah, it, it could have been a, a vital moment. We'll never really know what would happen, but uh, it's unfortunate that uh, that call was made if it was the wrong call, which I think it was. Gabriadini was offside, dude. Let's be honest. <laughs> that, I've I've a pet peeve about that. Do you know the, the way they stop the ball uh, when they're showing offside calls? That ball was stopped at least two frames too early as well. When yeah, they, they always do that. They always do it's that. They just make like, the ref the ref's decision. They usually do it the other way where they make it look like the ref's decision was correct. Yeah, but yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. I, I did. Well, I wasn't really paying too much attention to the All Provincial Cup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, let's. We've talked about the fights. <sighs> let's talk about the whole stream and stuff mm. my biggest problem with this right we know about bellator and we know they're they're not on on live stream and everything like that my biggest problem was, was with bama like i was under the impression that the the paul ribbon fight and the end young fight and all them was going to be streamed were you under that impression as well or did you know all the time that it was going to be on it was going to be on yeah TV? i thought it was going to be the same as it was before because uh, they didn't say anything differently they said it was going to be on unilad but uh it turns out only the prelims were on Uni Lads Facebook. I actually did think that uh, that it was going to be the main card as well, but uh, the main card was on tape delay on, on Spike that night. Yeah, like when it said Spike, I presume like the card is just going to be like Linton, and they're going to be fighting until ten o'clock, and then whatever they might show a replay of a fight or something, and then show like the the, the two men or the two or three men fights live. But they took like a two hour break. And man, it was just it was just so odd, like and. I, I think we've we've blamed Bama and or not Bama. We've blamed Bellator a lot for not being on live TV and stuff. But when this happened, it kind of illuminated me and it opened my mind to okay, it happened with Bellator and now it happened with Bama as well. And what's the common you know the common denominator there? That's Spike TV UK. So I think we've been looking at the wrong place the whole time. But obviously Bama and Bellator, you know, they can fight their corner or whatever, try to get it live, but. At the end of the day, it's not that easy to get on television and get these deals, and they have this deal now. And Spike are the but ones. Spike owned by Viacom and Bellator is owned by Viacom, so they're the same. Yeah. Company. But Bellator doesn't own Viacom. Viacom owns Bellator. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's think, the problem here. Yeah. Yeah, but do you think they'd want to Viacom if they own the brand? They'd want to promote it worldwide, get as much interest as possible by, like, sport, most people are going to watch, nearly all people want to watch sport live, no matter what sport it is, they don't want to watch it back, it just loses that extra excitement and that anything can happen factor, so you, you, you would think that Viacom would want to, if they're going to be putting on shows in the UK and Ireland, that they want to have a, a live TV deal, and even, even I asked Scott Coker in the, in the scrum about uh, the geo-blocking of the of the normal Bellators from, from the US. Um, and the streams are geo-blocked in Ireland, and he didn't seem to even know that that was the case. So I don't know how much attention they're actually paying to the the whole TV and streaming deals over in the UK and Ireland. That doesn't seem to be a priority. Yeah. Um, I can't say too much about it, but from, from what I heard, Bellator are... 
Uh, I think he knows more than he's letting on, and he just doesn't want to give people the bad news. I, I, that's the impression I kind of get, and that he's fighting hard to actually get it on live TV here, or to get it the live streams or whatever on here. Well, for some, somebody, for a company hard. as big as Viacom and Bellator to have an online stream, like you see, you see shows in in like the backyards of nowhere in the UK and Ireland with, with live streams online. Yeah. Like, it's not that difficult. I think that's the problem. I think they're too big. I think it's like Viacom. Viacom just wants something on the telly at some time. Like if they go, oh, I'm giving you this, you know, there's four fights or whatever. Oh yeah, we'll put them on at 10 o'clock and they're just going on at 10 o'clock. They're like, they don't even care that it's it's not live or anything. They're just filling the stations. Like, you know, they probably have fucking Brig Brother reruns on before that or something like, or, or cops, you know. <laughs> honestly i don't i think it's this is small beans to them i honestly do you know and it should be bigger beans <laughs> because oh, what the fuck is on spike tv uk like nobody even watches that yeah. a, like it's this could be something that could be big for them if, if they actually ran it but i honestly think i, I think bellator are, i i I've, may, I've said something to the contrary before but I, i've heard different things now i think bellator are actually trying to do it bama what can Bama do, really? You know, Bama are, are, are doing their best, I think, and, and they obviously put up the stream and everything before um, to, uh, live, but if, to get on TV, you can't turn that down. That's money as well for them. You have to remember that. These these promotions aren't, you know, there's no billionaires running running these promotions, well, the, the smaller promotions anyway. And, I, you know, I think there needs to be a, a concerted effort, obviously, there, there from was a, Bama. A, I think, I think just one second. I think there needs to be a concerted effort, definitely, from Bama and Coker and all to get with Viacom and explain to them why they need to be live. And I think fans, if you're complaining to someone, tweet Spike TV UK, tweet the Viacom or whoever it is, you know, and, and tweet Scott Coker and Bellator as well. You know, get the word out there. Start complaining to people. That's how things get changed. Like, if enough people complain, then something might happen, you know. Yeah. But, uh, there, was, there was a couple of, nearly a couple of million views on that You Need Lad Facebook video of the of the Bama uh, 28 prelims. So there's definitely the interest there. People are looking to watch this online. Like, you, if you have a couple of million viewers on your on your stream, you can sell advertising and make money there. Like, I, I don't know how much Spike TV would be paying uh, Bama for. I doubt it would be more than than the ad revenue they can make on a stream with a couple of million views. Yeah. Or a video with a couple of million views. Yeah, 100%. Like, I, I think they can do... I honestly think they can do well. Like uh, times are changing, and I think Bellator. I, I wrote a column about it last week, and I actually have another column coming out in Chardog there in a couple of weeks before UFC London. <clears throat> times are changing. Like you know, this London card coming up is better than the London card and the, the UFC London card. That Belfast card, the last day, feels it set on it. Even even without him, that was better than the the Belfast card. You know the London Belfast card. They can put on a Dublin card here that's going to be better than anything the UFC you're going to bring. You know they can do that, uh, and they can't do that anywhere else in the world. And to capitalize on that, they need to get on television. And I think if Viacom Viacom understood that that they could have a real winner on their hands here, um, I think they'd probably do it. But it, uh, convincing them, I know Scott Coker's responsibility there and other people to push to get that actually done. And if they can do that. If you know, and if I come can listen, I, I think it's a possibility, but you know, I still think that they think MMA is small beans and it's it's gonna be very, very tough for them to get that that final push that they really need to take advantage of what they're doing, you know. Yeah, well um, it seems to be definitely not a priority anyway, so you're probably right. Yeah. Hundred percent. Um any any closing thoughts on, on Bamator? Pretty good show all around, doesn't it? Yeah, it was a very good show. Uh, a little long, but 
but uh, that's always going to happen with the with the two promotions together. I think. But uh, yeah, the fights were good and uh, some good finishes, some close, some close fights. And uh, even though a lot of people had left by the time the main event happened, that was a very, very entertaining main event as well with Lee McGeary and Brett McDermott. So all around, yeah, very successful show, I think. Yeah, very good. Uh, right, let's get to the huge UFC card coming up this weekend. UFC 209 It's coming at you from the T-Mobile Arena in Paradise, Nevada. Um <sighs> Just what a card. Welterweight Championship of the World is on, on the line. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson challenges uh, Tyron Woodley for his belt. Habib Nurmagomedov takes on Tony Ferguson for the interim fairy tale lightweight title of the world. Rashad Evans is back. Land of Anad is back. Overeem versus Hunt. My boy Mirsad Bektic, future featherweight champion of the world, takes on Darren Elkins. Yuri Alcantara is fighting. Cool hand Luke Sanders, who's Becky Lynch's boyfriend. Uh, Mark Godbeer is fighting Daniel Spitz, Tyson Pedro against Paul Craig in a fucking barn burner of a fight. Great fights. Yeah, someone's all almost go. All of them. I can't wait. Which is your favorite? Which one are you looking forward to the most? Um, probably Wonderboy and Woodley, but Nurmagomedov and and Woodley as well, and um, Overeem and Hunt. Let's and see. even even uh, Lando, <laughs> Lando and Tamer yeah, fight is very good as well. I haven't looked forward to. There's been no card like this since UFC 205. Like it's, this is really quite my appetite now. We've had a good long break from these great cards, and I think this is this is a very there's, good there's one. Still time for for Pulitz. Don't, don't worry don't, about that. Don't you fucking dare! <laughs> don't you do it? Oh uh, God, I've I've a great preview written for this lads. Go over and go over and read and severe mate. will be able to win their tours, maybe. But uh, let's talk about Woodley versus versus Wonderboy here first. We kind of talked about it there the other day off camera, off microphone. Um you we both watched the first fight again. What what let's talk about that first fight. What were your takeaways watching us again the for a second time around? Um you know, I was saying kind of the same as the first I'm surprised that when Woodley was or that uh, Thompson wasn't able to take advantage of Woodley putting him up self up against the cage and kind of restricting his own movement. Um um, the, the guillotine that uh, that Woodley went for, I think, was was ill advised. He he probably could have landed three or four more more shots there, and the ref probably probably was the ref seemed to be moving in just to to get close, to ready to stop. And then when he went for that guillotine, um, but uh, a lot of people would have, would have tapped there. So fair play to to Wonderboy for toughing it out. But I think I think that uh, that was that was the point in the fight where where um was was closest to a finish. And I think that the submission was was there, but. A couple more shots and the ref would have stopped it, but um, I I I think I thought before the first fight that uh, Woodley that uh, Wonder Boy would win, and uh, I'm kind of surprised he didn't with how with how the fight turned, with how the, the strategies were, and and Woodley willing to be kind of to back himself up and kind of try to counter. And I thought I thought Wonder Boy would throw more hands than he did, so I think if, as long as Wonder Boy. Uh, Fights to the best, of his, or not even the best of his ability, but fights close to the best of his ability and has the right game plan. I think he should he should win. Uh, he should win this time against Woodley. Yeah, I'm just I'm really fascinated by it. Like that first fight, I you probably you scored a draw as well. Did you? I think it was a pretty easy fight uh, to score. Uh, Woodley won ten eight in the fourth, and Woodley won the first, and the wonder by won the other three rounds, ten, all ten nine. <clears throat> um, that first fight. <clears throat> There was a lot of things from it. Like I think this is a pretty simple fight to to understand. 
Woodley wants to get takedowns or he wants to land that big overhand right. Wonderboy wants to win all these moments, push him back up against the fence, land his kicks, land his punches, you know, kind of win win all the moments where Tyron Woodley's looking for the the kind of the explosion to, to say a phrase that he hates, but that's just the, the truth of the matter. Um and I think there's a I kind of isolated one area in which I think he's gonna decide who wins and loses this fight. And I think I think Woodley needs to get takedowns to win this fight. Now, I obviously can win it with a big overhand right, and with his power, that's always a way of winning. He could definitely win it that way. But I think if this fight goes into four or five rounds, I think wrestling is going to win him rounds. And I think how he got how he gets Wander by down is is with his kicks, is by catching his kicks. That's how he got him down in the first fight, and that's how he'll get him down again. Wonderboy has improved an awful lot, and he's taken down the fence with double legs and taken down the fence against the fence. You saw Woodley trying to take him down against the fence. He couldn't. You saw Hendricks trying to take him down against the fence. He couldn't. You you see him shooting blast doubles, and you can't take him down. So if you catch his kick, it's almost impossible for him to stop the, to, the takedown. And the same goes for anyone. You know, there are ways, but it's very, very hard. And Wonderboy does kick a lot. Um, so that I think that's that's a big, uh, big thing here. Um, Woodley said in the post, in the press con, or sorry, the uh, the countdown. I was actually watching after I wrote my preview that he he said kind of the same thing. He wants to catch those kicks and put him down. And I think Wonderboy will know that, and he'd be cognizant of it, but a big part of the first fight was he threw that kick and he got taken down, and he, and he stopped throwing as many kicks, and as you said as well, he wasn't throwing as many punches, so you put those two things together, and he was still winning the fight, but he wasn't winning it in a way I thought he'd win it, or no, I think a way you thought he'd win it as well, where he'd maybe dominate and land lots and lots of strikes and maybe overwhelm uh, uh, Woodley, and there's a I was thinking as well, like Woodley had that big moment in the first where he, he got him down, then he elbowed him and, and hit him, bro- I don't know, he broke his nose, but he um, he opened it up anyway and he was bleeding. Then he knocked him down in the fourth, almost got the guillotine, almost got the finish. You know, he'd like, what, three, four, five big, huge moments in the fight. I wonder by none. wonder by one rounds, but he never knocked him down. He never looked like hurting him, never looked like stopping him, you know. And that's odd in a Wonderboy fight because he is that guy that land that shot over the shoulder that you don't see coming or land that big blow or overwhelm you. And that never happened. And over five rounds for that not to happen, that's that's kind of odd for a Wonderboy fight. Even against Rory McDonald, that it happened a little bit in, in the last round in a fight, which was very nip and tuck. So I'd say that's another thing that uh, Woodley needs to be looking out for. But and the kicks are the thing I isolated as the big thing. If Wonderboy can land those kicks in a kind of, uh, you know, Conor McGregor spoke about it before, whipping kicks, where he whipped him in against Chad Mendes, where he kicked him, but Chad Mendes couldn't catch him and take him down. If Wonderboy can do that and land those kicks to the body and the head and the legs without Woodley catching him and taking him down, I think he walks away with this fight. But if he can't do that and Woodley takes him down, I think Woodley wins. I actually think it boils down to that. It's it's going to be as simple as that, unless there's, you know, a big one-punch knockout. There you go. There's There's my rant over. Yeah, I think both guys have the have the potential and the ability to, to knock each other out. But uh, um, I, I maybe maybe Wonderboy kind of his first his first title shot. He he's uh, he seems to get nervous before fights and stuff like that from from seeing them backstage and maybe he, that the experience will stand to him. And he seems to be talking um, pre-fight. He's saying things like, "Oh, I've taken his best shot. I've taken Woody's best shot. I know we can take his best shot." So 
maybe, maybe he was uh, unsure uh, in the first fight if after the Robbie Lawler performance from Woodley, if if, if he was going to be able to take one of them big big shots from from Woodley. And um, but maybe that's ill advised because he was very close to being finished in the fourth round after one of them big shots. Um, it's a very interesting fight. It's a really interesting fight. It's actually more interesting the second time I think than it was the first time, even though I was I was I was looking forward to it a lot the first time. Yeah, but as you explained there, you you were uh, with the the documentary. Obviously, I'm on a Conor McGregor's fights, and he was he was backstage. And yeah, you want to expand um, that? yeah, it was uh, it was funny. Yeah, it was funny. Uh, Connor was in a warm-up room with uh, Eddie Alvarez and uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson for the, the, the Justin Poirier fight at UFC 178. And um, Woodley was, or uh, sorry, Wonderboy was uh, went out before Connor. I think he fought James Krause that night. I think. Um, and he uh, before he went out, he spent a lot of time just kind of sitting on his chair, looking at the ground, kind of very nervous energy of him. But um, some people just deal with deal with it differently. Connor would be having fun and flowing around and. See, Eddie Alvarez is very nervous as well, so maybe maybe it's just a, it's just a kind of, it's it's the the outlier is Connor is not nervous before fights, but boy did seem particularly nervous uh, to me. Yeah, and if you you add that as well with the fact that it was UFC two hundred five that he fought Woodley at the biggest card of all time, you know he's he's bound to be extra nervous. Whereas this time there won't be really that, you know it's it's not. It's not the biggest card of all time. You won't have a you know a shit ton of, of press to do. You'll obviously have a lot of it to do because he's he's the main event now and stuff. But it's you know it's not quite at the same level, and you know it's his second go around as well. That that might help if he is a particularly nervous person. You know Woodley could be the same, so it might make no difference. But it's yeah, exactly. I was going to say that uh, it could be the same situation with Woodley where he felt the pressure of the the big the big spot. But um, it could be the fact that neither of them did, and we're 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 just kind of putting two and two together and getting five. Yeah, I think it's one of those ones, uh, and and I tried to do this in my in my preview where, like, you look at the adjustments either guy can make, and uh, I find it hard to see. Like, I thought Woodley fought, he fought an odd fight, but when you think about it in the aftermath, I actually thought he thought it was an intelligent enough fight. I know he backed himself up against defense an awful lot, but the way he kind of he went for those kicks and he targeted him and took him away from Wonderboy. That was a huge thing for him, and then you know the the spring from the fins to land the big shots were something that kind of put one by off, and maybe that's something that he wasn't expecting. He was maybe trying to play a countering game and wait for Woodley to come on uh, so he could counter him, and Woodley just never did that. Um, so I think Wonderboy can make, you know, make the adjustments. As I said, whip in those kicks, maybe attack him more if he's gone up against the fins. And another thing as well. I spoke about it a lot before on this podcast where there's different types of defense in MMA. You know, there's some guys who've really good head movement, you know, who who will box with you in the pocket, you know, likes of Junior Dos Santos or uh, um, Karolina Kowalkiewicz or, or uh, Joanna Injecic, lots of people like that. Are you of the uh, Anthony Pedestal or if you like people like McGregor or Wonderboy or Leona Machida and stuff who use their feet as defense, you know, they'll get away, they'll use range as defense to get away from you. And Wonderboy when he doesn't get those feet moving, can get caught. And that's how he got knocked down in the fourth round. So if he can adjust that where he's very, very loose in his feet, more so than usual even, and that doesn't get too cocky if he's if he is dominating rounds like he was over the second and third and into the fourth in, in the first fight, that uh that that's a thing that'll keep him in good set as well. So if you can take away the wrestling and the big shots of, of Woodley, you know, how is Woodley gonna win? I, I think it's it's his then, but the adjustments for Woodley maybe aren't as simple, you know get those takedowns from from the um 
from the kicks, you know, targeting him even more. You know, I know he did it in the first round, but I think Woodley did had about as good a game plan in the first fight as I think he's ever going to have. And you know, the same thing could happen again in the second the second fight, and he could catch Wonderboy without when he's not moving his feet and knock him down, or he could catch the kicks, you know, and win the fight. But I don't know. I think Wonderboy kind of knows what's going on. Very dangerous early. Yeah, he definitely is. Yeah. But it's it's a very interesting one, as you said. Like this, this is the one that anything could happen. You know, you could see Woodley knocking him on the first. You could see Wonderboy knocking him out in the first. You could see Woodley catching those kicks, taking him down, winning a five round decision. Or you could see Wonderboy outpointing him over five rounds. Like anything could really happen in this. But I'm just, I know I'm a big, he's a big favorite of mine. But I'm definitely leaning Wonderboy. Yeah, uh, I lean Wonderboy as well. And and these these are these are great fights when it's a really exciting saw matchup main event. Who it's where it's really hard to pick. Like a lot of the time, main events you kind of know who's going to win, but yeah, I like I really like these main events where where you, it could go either way, and there's methods of victories for 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 both fighters, several met, multiple methods of victories for for both fighters. It's a really interesting fight, really interesting. It's going to be really good, hundred um, percent. And the call main event, Habib Nurmagomedov versus Tony Ferguson. You don't think this is the same, do you? You think you you think Habib is a big favorite in this one? Uh, yeah, I, I would, I, I definitely be be going with Khabib in this one. Um, Khabib is vulnerable on the feet, but he is relentless with his takedowns, and I, I think Ferguson's overrated on the feet. I think Ferguson's overrated in general, to be honest. Uh, he's obviously, he's obviously on a really nice win, win streak, and uh, that Metro PTS sign nearly fucked him up against Lando Venata. Like that slip, who put, who put grease on that that sign? Like you know, come on, what's going on? But uh, <laughs> you know, everyone knows what the fight has to look at. Go back and look at that fight. You know what the fuck you're talking about? Yeah, I know. Tony Ferguson <laughs> claimed that he, he wasn't dropped against Lando Venata, that he was slipping on the Metro oh, PTS really? sign. <laughs> That's hilarious. He was trying to beat the shit out of him for fucking most of the round. No, man. he's slippy, slippy canvas, man. Come on. <laughs> it was like an ice skating ring. No, but uh, Lando's obviously, Lando's obviously, Lando Venata's obviously a really good striker. So getting caught by Lando mm-hmm. isn't exactly. Uh, isn't no shame in that, but um, and he did go on to win the fight with Adaris as well. But uh, I, I think uh, Tony's overrated, and I think uh, I think Khabib can, can, can he can obviously be got out of the feet. Michael Johnson showed that, and uh, but it's it's it, it, the interesting thing about it is can can Tony get anything going from the bottom if he does yeah. get taken down by Khabib? But um, I just maybe early on he'll tr- go for a couple of leg locks or something like that. But I think I think uh, Khabib will be able to defend him, and I think he'll wear Tony down and uh, probably maybe TKO him late in the third or 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 the fourth maybe. I'm uh, this. This is such a complicated fight compared to the to the main event, and I think I think it's up there with the best most high quality fights in UFC history honestly do I think uh, I know you're saying Tony Ferguson is overrated and I understand why you're saying but I still think he's really really good yeah uh, he is no remember? he is really good I, I know he's what really you're saying good. yeah I know. but what when Tony Ferguson came out of the tough house I mean he was in the tough house like you know people he was a wrestler and stuff but he, his boxing was phenomenal like he's was really, he a wrestler really I think he was boxer. a boxer Back in the, t- the tough house, I think he was. He was a boxer in the tough house, but I think he was a wrestler before that, wasn't he? Didn't was oh, he? Had he maybe. things? But he, he all, all the time in the tough house, he wrestled anyway. But I think he had a or he uh, boxed, sorry. But I think he had a background in wrestling for that. But whichever way, anyway, he he came out of it as a boxer. Like, and I can th- I remember you. I think I even tweeted him at the time. I like I love your style or something. And his style has just completely changed. You know, he's he was you know like a straight up boxer, lovely, very sharp hands. But now he's kind of. 
he's gone kind of Paul Feldery, you know, <laughs> he throws spinning back fists and in a different way, you know, in you know, but um yeah. I think it's interesting obviously in the feet, right? If it stays on the feet, I'd favor I'd favor Tony to to do that. Like he yeah. throw a lot of kicks, you know, but he's harder punching power, better maybe not better technique, but a more varied offense. You don't know where it's coming from. More of a chance to to knock Habib out. Whereas Habib is, you know, he's a good jab, good straight right, and stuff like that. He you know he's a good uh, a good straight shot, but um on the ground is just it fascinates me. And here's one thing for for people to ponder for you to ponder, um. Um, Tony Ferguson trains with Eddie Bravo, who is, you know, obviously Ten Planet uh, master and stuff with the rubber guard and all that. But Habib, when he gets on the ground, he loves to get. He he isn't a big guy for maybe mountain guys who are taking their backs. Now he'll do that as well. But he's a guy who likes to to get inside control or half guard. And if like if these guys are ground, the more likely pace it's going to be. It's easy either in the guard or he's in his half guard i think and eddie bravo like he's the master of lockdown and and attacking from those positions as you said there with, with leg locks and different stuff like if it's uh, if you're if you're to ask a person you know what's the most likely thing that happens in this fight the most likely thing is that habib gets on the ground and gets on top and gets probably in tony's half guard so tony probably knows that and it, like is is he working from there like is he working on the lockdown is he working on on sweeps from there so he can get uh, as you say leg locks or he looks or get to to habib's back or get back to his feet working in that position you know and he can do that he's he's very good from that position now you know the rubber card and stuff is going to be a lot harder because i think I'm not sure Habib will give up those positions to him. You know, I don't think he'll get, you know, it could happen where he could get into his full guard and it probably will happen at some stage. But I think he'll have worked a lot on that. But, yeah. you know. Well, Khabib might be diminished by the time he gets to take down if, if Tony can land strikes on him. Tony mm-hmm. Tony doesn't, like, since he's been fighting the top caliber guys, Tony hasn't got any uh, TKOs or KOs. They've all been submissions or decisions. Back when he was kind of on the regional circuit and coming up in the UFC, he had some TKOs and, stuff like that, but I don't think he has a stopping power to, to put keep Khabib away before he can Khabib can get the takedown. But the people act like Khabib has some kind of unstoppable shot, but he doesn't. Like he, he doesn't. He he can be he can be thwarted. Like if you have the right game plan and you've drilled you've drilled the what the, the right sequences, you can you can stop that takedown while you're fresh anyway. And he is very hittable. So it's it's like Tony has met his victory here. Like yeah he, you wouldn't completely rule out a submission, even though it's very unlikely. But the TKO and the KO are are, are the most likely for for Tony early, I think. And uh, he might, I think he might know that he might he might go out guns blazing early, trying to trying to take a beep out. I think if Tony wins, it'll be a submission. Uh, to be honest, I disagree with you in that Habib's takedown is is you can stop it. Uh, and I know you're going to say Gleason Tebow here, but Gleason Tebow is a big hefty fucker who it was his second UFC fight you know first time paper and yeah wrestled Khabib <laughs> I wouldn't go that far now but anyway like he got Khabib that, down Khabib didn't get him down okay and Habib has destroyed everyone since then and before it so um yeah I know but it's I'm just saying, you're basing everything off like, of that line no I'm just saying it's, it's just unstoppable this narrative of being an unstoppable takedown I think I think people are overestimating like once he gets on top and stuff he's absolutely absolute yeah, beast and stuff how, and he's much taking is, our, our... how much is that is based on uh, the glass and t-ball fight like not all of it like i like i i just think um i just think even against michael johnson he kind of it was a, 
he, he had to readjust a couple of times to get the takedown, and Michael Johnson isn't exactly a top-caliber fighter, in my opinion. Jesus, I disagree. I, I think I think he's unbelievable. I think if he wants to take you down, he will take you down. He's good at setting it up, too. You know, He's not going to go straight across and just take you down like straight away. He, he will set it up with his hands and different things. Like, he destroyed the Sanyos. Like, I, I, I see where you're coming from, though, as well. Like, Michael Johnson... He's a good fighter and all like that. Michael Johnson actually beat Tony Ferguson, so if if you want to look at it that way, but Tony Ferguson I think has a stronger um has a stronger uh C V than Habib Nurmagomedov actually does, even though Habib is, is undefeated and all like he beat Dasanyas yeah, when Dasanyas, you know, was Dasanyas kind of our well <laughs> yeah, when after, wasn't, uh, yeah, yeah. after he won the championship. But they both fought Dasanyas when he wasn't um when he wasn't, uh, what, what word should I use here? When he wasn't championship level, Dos Anjos level. When he wasn't at his being best. Board. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but he beat Lando, he beat Barbosa, he beat Josh Thompson, you know, all good fighters. He beat the legendary Gleason Thibault, your boy. You know, um, so I, I think he actually has a better record, but, uh, guys, it's, it's one of those fights, like, I think Khabib will take him down. I think he'll definitely take him down, and I think he'll, he'll have a lot of work on top of him. But I'm just excited to see what Tony will bring on the ground. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I, I think the damage that Khabib will do on the ground once he does get the takedown will take a lot out of Tony. So I think yeah. Tony's best option is to, to go for the juggler earlier, early on the feet. Possibly so, yeah. Uh, calf slicer. He's going to calf slice. If, 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 if he can land a couple of couple of punches on Khabib and make Khabib kind of shoot in without setting it up, he could grab like a darts or some kind of guillotine. Like he, yeah. he is dangerous with chokes and stuff like that. And like it, it isn't a foregone conclusion, but. I think uh, I think I think Khabib will, will, will win TKO in the later rounds. Yeah, like Khabib, he's just so good. Like he's good in open water, getting takedowns. He's good when he pushes you against the fence. Like he's good at single legs, double legs. He just, to me, Khabib has it all. But Tony, Tony is just so mad like he's just insane you can't read him like he's you, he doesn't know what he's gonna throw so how you know how do you know like when when he pushed him against the fence like he could he could do anything like he could jump up and take his back or you know as you say go down and get it he's an unbelievable darts choke and unbelievable guillotines and everything like that and triangles and he just you know i think this is a, a great fight and, uh, you from ferguson's point of view you're probably thinking, and I agree with you, that he's probably wanting to keep it on the feet because that's where he is the best chance of winning. But I also think he has a chance of winning on the ground if he can if he can uh, get offense going or get into a position where he's well-drilled from possibly a lockdown or from a rubber guard or something like that. Um, but, yeah, that calf slicer, there, I don't know why, it just popped into my head, I think, he, a couple of days ago. I think he, something like that, you know, a leg lock or heel lock or something. But Habib is going to be very hard to tap as well. But having said all that, I do think Khabib will take him down. I think he'll mash his face in for three or four rounds and probably stop him in, in the championship rounds. But I can't wait to see it. I think it's just going to be an unbelievable fight. Yeah, it's got, it's very, very good fight. Um, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, as I said, I'm going I'm going to be, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if Tony has some, some good success at the feet early and that, that changes the fight. If, if he can do some damage to Khabib early and make Khabib kind of a bit desperate, changes the whole fight i think if khabib gets the takedown in the first round early then it's 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 all going to be khabib for for the until the until the tko or until the final bell yeah 100 right um we'll just give a quick run through the other ones alistair overing versus marco until you picking that one um whoa, i have to go with overing 
Really? Yeah, I think so. Wrestling? I just, uh, yeah, I think I think he'll uh, he'll be he'll be on the outside and he'll he'll wrestle hunt. I think people assume Overeem's going to strike a lot, but he does implement wrestling a good bit. He he's uh, he's got a good guillotine as well, and um, yeah, I think I think Overeem will win that. I'm going Mark Hunt. I think he's going to hit him with a leaping left hook and knock him out with that. Overeem's chin. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. Overeem's been knocked out many, many times, like ten times probably at this stage. He's he's been knocked out more times than Liverpool in cups. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there you go. That's a fucking high class joke there. MMA roasted. Boom. You can have that one. <laughs> Rashad Evans against Dan Kelly as well. No, we, we actually talked about that at the time, so we, we won't go over that again. I think we're both picking Rashad. Lando Vanatta against David Timor. I thought Lando would get a little bit of a bigger um, push, but David Timor is a good fighter. We're that putting should, him in there with the striker. Yeah, that should be, striker a, that should be a really exciting fight, I think, on the feet. Yeah, yeah tamer has got some vicious knees, and he's a very good striker, but uh, Lando is obviously looking very good. He, he nearly took out Tony Ferguson in his uh, UC debut, and... Uh, who was his spinning kick against again? Uh, uh, John McDessie, the bull. Oh, yeah, John McDessie. Yeah, that was beautiful. That was a beautiful one. He was getting tagged on the feet early, though, oh, so yeah. uh, um, I, w- I wouldn't rule out David, David Tamer in this fight, but, uh, but uh, Lando would be the big favourite. Yeah. Mirsa Bektic, are you as high on him as I am? Yeah, well, I, I was a few years ago. I'm, I'm worried about how many injuries he's had and all that, but uh, I, I see him beating Elkins, yeah. I, I, I just... Um, Mm, yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough to know what Merced Bektic like. These injuries are are gonna slow you down. I think they're when you're getting injured the whole time. It's hard to keep evolving as well at the at the, at the rate you would be evolving if you weren't rehabbing injuries the whole time. Yeah, but uh, he's been he's been derailed a bit as a as one of the top top prospects. But a uh, a dominant win against Darren Elkins on on a on a big card like this would uh, put him back right in the right in the thinking of the the people and fans and the the matchmakers. Yeah. Definitely, I think he's going to be UFC featherweight champion in the next, in the next year, this year possibly. But um, top top Ooh, guy, top year. top guy, maybe not. Um, Tyson is Tyson Pedro that guy with like the the Maori tattoos and stuff. Or am I gone mad? That's him, isn't it? It's from like New yeah, Zealand, so, yeah. and he's fighting Paul Greg. That's that's a hell of a fight right there. Kind of tribal. Yeah, the bear, the bear Jew coming in there. Size of Pedro over in, over in Las Vegas seem to be giving the bear you a bit of a push, you know. He's kind of a, a likable guy, cool nickname, good record, even though Andrew McGahan mightn't say that. But <laughs> <laughs> he's only been a bunch of bums. <laughs> that was hilarious. That was, one the, <laughs> that was one of the biggest fuck ups ever, <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, yeah, that should be a, another pretty good fight. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to all of those. Amanda Cooper returns as well after she fought in Belfast, didn't she, recently? So uh, yeah. yeah, that that should be uh, that should be fun. Hopefully, Becky Lynch is there as well. So I'd like to Who's see that. Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch is the Irish uh, wrestler. Is is Luke Sanders? Oh, okay. That's cool. Said that's that cool. earlier. I, was like, I, like, I did. Yeah. <laughs> I only found that out yesterday, and like I didn't even know he was on a card until I just opened it like ten minutes ago. I was like, oh, there he is, and he's Becky Lynch. Is <laughs> but yeah, there you go. I've, that that's going to be one of my useless facts for the day. I better put. I better tweet that out. Um before uh before the podcast comes out but um yeah good card and uh Very good card. yeah should be fun looking forward looking forward to that one are we gonna have a little bet who you are you who are we picking you're picking over him so i'm picking hunt what, what are we gonna bet yeah we can do a point if you want no, we uh, you i already owe you like 10 points but let's bet um make it 11 
you, you, have to, you have to say I love Man United next week's podcast, and I have to say I love that other team if uh, if if uh, our guy wins on the next next week's podcast. What do you think? Uh, I don't think it's worth it. I don't think it's In worth the... it. <laughs> <laughs> what are you cheating? <laughs> the, the, the incentive isn't that good, but the the payout. Is, imagine, is, imagine the, hearing the me saying it. Imagine hearing me saying it. The risk, uh, the, the risk for you is less than it is for me. I just edit it together. I'll just edit you saying uh, what you said and put the Man United bit in ahead over over double. Okay, I would uh, that bet is on. So I don't care. That bet is on. I bet, I bet you. I bet you a point. No, we've virtually shaken on it now. Um, before, <laughs> <laughs> before we get to the to the questions, let's talk for just a quick brief period about Cyborg. We we talked about her when this whole thing kind of went down, but um, this week she was basically cleared by USADA. Um, and given a retroactive TUE for the substance that, that she had taken, uh, Ian Kidd did an article for Bloody Elbow saying that the substance she actually had taken wasn't written on her forms, the declaration forms, uh, and that was kind of the only thing really that she had done wrong. She got letters and stuff from her doctor to say that um, to say that she needed this as a you know a medical. Um, Didn't Chael get uh, letters from his doctor that said he needed to have all the stuff he had? That's that's that is true, I suppose. Just, uh, that is that is true. Yeah. But she had in in tiny doses, to be fair, and it was because of her her sickness and stuff. Um, and I suppose from that point of view, she has been exonerated, and we can't. There isn't really much to argue over that. The rules are there, and and, and that happened. But what do you think about? They did a good. Uh, the lads on the MMAB did a good discussion about this at the beginning. But what do you think about this whole announcement? You know this potential violation thing that we have to write in the headlines every time and the effect it does in the, the top public opinion. Uh, yeah, on they, need to, they need to wait until it's, until it's uh, confirmed, <laughs> I think before, uh, before publicly announcing these things. Um, it, it puts a, it puts, even if somebody gets exonerated, it puts a little stain beside their name uh, in a lot of people's eyes. Anyway, a lot of people don't buy it because of all the, all the terrible excuses that have been used to, to overcome uh, drug tests in the past that have been accepted, it, it, they kind of, I think a lot of people assume that the, the excuses are bullshit, even even when they're true. Yeah, 100, 100, uh, 100%. Um, yeah, I think, um, look, I, I think there's a there's obviously teething problems with this. this we've, we've spoken about it a lot. Um, and there's... Um, look, with the whole privacy thing and everything like that, I think that USANA and the UFC, I think all three of them should have to agree on whether they release something at a time. Uh, and with the third person being obviously Cyborg or whoever the person is who failed, and that means things probably aren't going to go out. And, you know, there's good transparency there and stuff the way it is now. But I don't think you can do it. Like, she's she's been obviously someone who's failed the test before. She's going to be painted with that same brush again now, even though she, she arguably did nothing wrong. We saw it with John Jones. I know that was the pre, pre-USADA. Uh, and all that, but his his test came out for the cocaine when that never should have come out, and that did irreparable damage, you know, to him and his brand and everything like that. And Cyborg has lost, I, I believe she's lost sponsors and things. But um, yeah, honestly, uh, I I think you need to have a little bit more respect for the fighters and a little bit more respect for their careers, and they're, you know, they're doing enough by kind of giving up a lot of their privacy and stuff. Uh, but you need to make sure, as you said. They have failed, and they're, you know, I think 
I think even the failures themselves, they need to be caught red-handed for stuff, you know, they need to have a lot of it in their system, this, you know, don't let it to a tainted supplement or anything like that. You need to have enough of something in your system for them to catch you, I think. But um I think though a lot of the times, like not naming any names, but they, they find out what they fail for and then they go searching yeah. for a contaminated supplement <laughs> and they find one and go, Oh, this could have been contaminated and that gets them off or that gets them leniency in their in their ban. It's 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 an awkward situation because people are going to lie and do whatever they can to try and get out of it because that's what people do and uh, it is a difficult situation but yeah they, they they need to make sure before they put out these potential these uh, statements where potentially is that a, a violations they need to be sure before they put put these out they can really taint somebody's name like some even if somebody's never touched uh, there's a potential you saw a violation it turns out not to not to be was the machida one it wasn't on the band list in the on the brazilian you saw database Something like that is that's very, very complicated. As I said, Ian Keaton, Ian Kidd as well as the one to ask why that or to go over and read his, his article, it's, it's pretty complicated. But like Machida put a Machida never failed the test, I don't believe, did he? He put it on his uh, he disclosed, he disclosed that he'd taken it, something. That he'd taken apparently, if you searched the, the United States database of Yusada, then it, it came up as a banned substance. But if you searched the, the Brazilian version of the website or the database, it didn't come up. So yeah. it's, it's a bit. <laughs> it's a bit murky there like it's 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 hard to know who to believe but uh they need to be sure before they before they put out these things and um, put a stain beside these fighters names yeah and leon machida admitted he had taken it i think he might have failed the test after i'm not i'm not 100 sure but he admitted he failed it got a ban and then someone else actually failed for it without admitting and got less of a ban than leon machida got so like what the fuck is that about like that's just makes absolutely no sense at all but I digress. Now, look, it's, uh, I suppose this all boils down to look, Cyborg, Cyborg is back. She's, you know, the, the Holly Holm fight is there. The, obviously, Jermaine Renamy is the champion. That's there. It, I suppose we're back to where we are at war. And I suppose for Cyborg, maybe that's the most important thing. But um, let's get into the question before we do that. Shout out to our. Minute, before you, before yeah? you do this, Cage Warriors this weekend. Oh, yeah. Cage Warriors. What do you think? Who's Cage Warriors Dublin? Three, Cage Warriors first trip to the, the point. The what not now known as or at the moment known as the three arena, uh, Catherine Costigan against Wen, Wendy McKenna, uh, Joe McCulligan versus Arnold Quiro, uh, Carl Moore versus uh, Josh Clark from uh, the Ultimate Fighter, um, Lloyd Manning, he's a judo black belt, he's an Irish guy, uh, very, very good, uh, undefeated pro. He's fighting, um, Paul McBain, uh, Huey O'Rourke of Team Rhino. He's fighting uh, Aaron Maguire of uh, Cork, of BJJ Cork. So, uh, yeah, there's some good Irish up-and-coming talent on that card uh, this weekend in the Three Arena, uh, Dublin, um, 4th of March, yeah. Cage Warriors making a long-awaited long return after, what is it, three three years? Three years since their last Irish show, I think? Yeah. There's a lot of good people on this card, but it's tough because it's like Carl Moore is fighting Josh Clark. I'm not really that familiar with Josh Clark. Uh, Joe McCulligan is fighting Ireland queer on not really. Are you familiar with him? I'm not really. No, you know, it's, it's one of them. Those are their two big best guys there and they're fighting people. We don't really know. So that's obviously going to be an issue um, for the, for them. But as you said, first car back, it's, and they're making champions here, you know, it's for the light heavyweight title, the Cage Warriors, uh, light heavyweight title, the Carl Moore fighters, and he's the guy they can definitely build around. Um, yeah, I see Gary Gary Wallace is on the undercard here as well. 
you know, there's a and a few more guys that a lot of people know. Re- Lane O'Driscoll, well. O'Driscoll against Darren O'Gorman is a very good fight as well. There, I think uh, Darren O'Gorman's four and one. His only loss was to Franz and and Bama, and Lane O'Driscoll's three and one. So that should that should be a very good fight. Um, and uh, who else is on the card? There's a. Uh, there's Eric Nolan, who's uh, making his pro debut, I think, against uh, Marcin Dembele, who's also making his pro de- debut. I think Marcin's from uh, Torres BTJ, so Andrew McGann's probably been bigging him up for a while. It's, uh, yeah, I know. Uh, Eric Nolan's in Team Rhino. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's good, like, to, so, yeah, that, you know, competition. I spoke of my article for for uh, Skedrars last week, you know. Uh, we look at that card, and maybe we looked at it three or four years ago, and we said it's an unbelievable card, but now we look at it and say... I could be better, you know. I need to steal yeah. an unbelievable. Well, the main event though is uh, uh, the main event is good. I think that Josh Cl- that Josh Clark and uh, Carl Moore fight is very good. Like Josh Clark was on the ultimate fighter. He he uh, he won his first first bout with a finish, and then he lost the majority decision to Corey Anderson. Majority him. decision to Corey Anderson is not not no shame in yeah. that really. Um, 100%, yeah. yeah, so he's 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 a legit legit opponent, and if if Carl Moore can beat him. There'll be a big statement. Like Carmore's only losses to the Bear Jew, Paul Craig, who, who we talked about uh, earlier fights this weekend, and uh, Carmore had uh, the, the Paul Craig in some uh, some bad positions in the first round, including uh, a close choke. So um, yeah, that that should be a very good fight. And Joe McCulligan is obviously a it's obviously um, one to watch as well. Yeah. Um, very very good. The co-main event, I think that is. is it? Not sure, no. Not sure order to be decided. I have the card here, but yeah, it's like it's kind of flying under the radar, really, isn't it? You know, it's because of with the whole um UFC 209 thing in the same weekend and stuff. I suppose it isn't well, it might it might help a little bit of it, you know, with, yeah. with the whole fight pass thing, but um, flying under the radar it's on air sport as well. Is it on air sport very good? Well, Ireland, yeah. uh, it used to be called Satanta, so it's it's live on TV. Uh, Cage Wires are working very good at making sure that there's a live stream or a live TV yeah. deal for for their cards, and they've made sure again here on their in the Dublin. Yeah, I like. I think if this card goes off well and it's a really good card, I think the next one around is going to be is going to be huge as well. But uh, and especially if they could get the likes of Paddy Pimblett over here, as so I know he's fighting in Liverpool next. But um, yeah, Paddy Pimblett versus an Irish an Irish guy in the main event would be very good. Paul Redmond, let's do it. That's the fight I want to see a long time. Paddy Pimlet's not going to stay at featherweight as well. Let's just believe that. Like he's struggling, he struggled to make that weight for puking. He's got topped the last time losing that fight to Rod. But, but yeah, Lucarton Gostigan as well. Looking forward to seeing her back. Obviously representing Limerick should be should be very good. Uh, uh, close to my heart that one. Like you know, you mentioned Joe McCallaghan there. Like uh, Joe McCallaghan is really really good. If you've never seen him before, he's you know he's legit. He's going to be in the UFC pretty pretty soon, I think. And uh, he's meeting. A good I'm pretty guy. sure this is this is right. I think. Uh, <clears throat> um, this could be wrong. Correct me if it is. People on Twitter, but I'm pretty sure it's right. The uh, Joe McCoggins working with the same boxing coach that uh, Paul Hughes has been working with, Davy Patterson, and all them guys seem to be coming on leaps and bounds, looking really sharp in their striking since they've been working with with uh, with that striking coach. So. Hopefully, uh, we'll we'll see some more from Joe on the on the feet uh, in this fight. Yeah, hundred percent. Right, let's get into the question. Great body work. Um, before we do that, shout out to our sponsors, rosnutrition.com. Head on over there, rosnutrition.com. Get twenty five percent off your first order with the promo code Severe MMA. Get swole 
as it's coming up to, to summer now, you need to be getting that summer bod going for going out to Lanzarote for two weeks, you know, picking up picking up some women or some dudes over there. That, that's what needs to happen. So get your protein in, get your BCAAs, get your krill oil, all that good stuff. ROSnutrition.com, promo code SEVEREMMA, 25% off your first order. Help us help you. Graham, first question. Um from John Sheridan your thoughts do you think we, we kind of discussed before do you think uh, Strabanable MMA at uh, James Geller should have been the main event after Chris Fields injury yeah yeah okay fair enough oh Alaya Quinta is fighting Diego Sanchez this is the first I've heard of it um, uh, Mr. Podge asks where from the podcast where do you think a win um, put puts Alaya Quinta over Diego Sanchez if he can get it after a long time out um hmm Depends. It depends how Diego Sanchez looks, I suppose. Um, I like Quintus ranked 14 at the moment behind Dunham and Melendez and Trinaldo. He probably a win over there probably put him up over there, but probably wouldn't put him ahead of Parier, who's at number 10. So probably 11, I'd say, would probably put him at. Yeah, is he in the rankings now, or is he taken out of him? Let me just look here. I like Quintus 14. Oh, he's 14, yeah, but I think he was higher up. I think he dropped down a bit like that. But yeah, yeah, I agree. It it shove him up another bit. Uh, again, the rankings though, yeah. the rankings are a joke. Yeah, um, at Mister Podge as well. Will there be any fallout from Paddy Hoolan's uh, departure from SBG Talent? Talent? Will he set up a rival gym? Um, what is, do you know? What exactly happened here? Um. He was, staff, he was it was a staffing issue. Uh, he was asked to fire somebody who's been there with him from the, the very start of of SBG Tala, and he he wouldn't do it, and he left over that. Uh, yeah. That's what I, what I hear. Uh, he's just left SBG Tala. It's not, he hasn't left SBG. Like he's still still uh, teammates and friends with all, with all the SBG guys. So a few people kind of got the wrong, wrong end of the stick on that one. Just want to clear that up. Yeah, I think he set up some Facebook pages as well, or there, maybe he didn't set up, but someone set one up like SBG Dublin 26 or something, whatever it is. I'm not sure what it was. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. So I don't know if that's associated with him or not, but I saw there was like a picture of him training. Kids yeah, there, and was, stuff. A, there was a screenshot of, uh, of uh, a screenshot somebody sent to me of uh, a message Paddy sent. I put it in the article that we put up. Uh, Paddy sent a message to some of the members saying that uh, they were going to get a new. Uh, get a new premises and be doing the same thing, but that he wouldn't be affiliated with uh, SPG Tala anymore. Um, yeah, so we'll see what happens there, I suppose. 100%. Farrell Connolly, at Farrell Connolly, friend of the podcast, ask, uh, any possibility of Bama matching Reese McKee versus Paul Redman next? Well, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. I think, I think there's a big gap in experience levels there. Um and I don't think that'll be I don't think that'll be too smart to be honest. I think Greece needs to get built back up now. Obviously, as I said there even earlier in the podcast, you know, if you get a few more wins in his career, he doesn't need to be fighting someone, you know, at the level of Paul Redmond at the moment. Now, if they fought, I think it'd be a really good fight. I think both guys are really, really good. And uh, you know, on his day, Reese can beat anyone and same goes for Paul Redmond. But um I don't think that makes makes much sense right now. Um Wally Frogmore asks, uh, is Habib being uh, being bubble wrapped to ensure he gets the cage for this weekend. Yeah, I was, I was gonna say I was gonna say earlier that um, we don't know who has injuries or who, what what injuries they have going into the fight. But I think if Khabib had an injury, he would have pulled out, known as track Ooh, record. So you, there's uh, the amount of fucking shade you're throwing at Habib. That'd be a fucking. Well, I'm just trying to level it out from the from the, the, god, the god mode that everybody else treats him treats him like he's some kind yeah, of floating, floating above. I've been a big fan of, fan of Khabib before most people knew who he was. So. 
I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to be realistic about uh, he's only human. He's only a human. He is not a polar bear. All you are is a Conor McGregor fucking mouthpiece. That's all you are. You hate and have even rang him out of. That's all you are. You fucking. You'll <laughs> be working for the Mac Life next. And <laughs> yeah, that's where you'll be. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, that. Know, like I'm, a, I'm a huge community fan. I'm picking him to win. Ah, this yeah, yeah, Let's be honest. I picked him earlier and I've, I've been picking him for weeks on the podcast, but. It's, it, I just think some people are just going overboard on his... Uh, uh, he's the god. No, he's the god. Uh, not the god. He can't strike. <laughs> That's fair enough. Dark Prince of Atai asked Daniel Bride 1, what's, your f- ni- what's the nicest cereal you've ever tasted? Uh, hmm. um, I'm, I'm big on the, uh, the old porridge at the moment. Nice. Yeah, I've always porridge. just been a fan of cornflakes. kind of simple and... Uh, Nothing too fancy. When it gets gets too sweet, I'm not not a fan of that. Uh, I, used to, oh, I used to love Cocoa Pops back in the day. Cheer does uh, chocolate Cheerios as well. They're lovely. The, the, the chocolate milk at the end is the mm. best part of the Cocoa Pops. <laughs> I'm a fan of, fan of fruit and fiber. Special care nice as well. I I like a lot of cereal. I don't. I never eat cereal actually, to be honest, because I'm never up. But I, I'm a type of fucker. If I was working, <laughs> if I was waking up at like eight o'clock in the morning, I wouldn't eat till like four o'clock that day. I'm that sort of bastard. But um, yeah. Anyway, fruit and fiber at the moment. Um, Wally Frogmore asks another, another. Um, we've like six food uh, themed questions this week. Profiteroles. <laughs> we should start a food podcast. It's uh, a fact. Custard or cream filling in profiteroles. There's only one correct answer here, and if it doesn't cream, that's you're lucky. The podcast would have been never coming on again if, if you'd said custard. <laughs> you got lucky. Yeah, I love the thrust. I'm, I'm in love with them. I, I am. A, <laughs> someone's gonna rip that sound. <laughs> I love the thrust. I'm in love with them. Amy, Actually, I have one for you. Huh? I have a food one for you. We're on yeah. one. Okay, uh, McDonald's McMuffins, bacon and egg or sausage and egg. Uh, I just hate them all. They're disgusting. They are, they make me sick. McDonald's breakfast. Um, so neither. I love them. No answer. Like a politician. I'll I'll take the bacon because I think the sausage, <laughs> like the sausage is like a burger, isn't it? Yeah, it's like a patty shape. Fucking yeah, rotten. Fuck that. You can keep that. <laughs> All right, go on. Uh, okay. Back to the couple, actual question. <laughs> a couple from Ian McLean here. I reckon used to, used to. He's from Donegal. Why is he saying used? He sounds like I reckon used to. I don't know, I think he's the most well-rounded possibly in the division. What do you think? Sorry, ask it again. Do you like my Dublin accent? There, he says we're underestimating no. Tony, and uh, he thinks he's um, the most well-rounded person in the division. No, he's not the most well-rounded. I don't think. Um, who is then? Um, I just wait for him now. Go on. Probably RDA. Well, <laughs> RDA's Johnson. He's well-rounded. Uh, like, like Tony Ferguson, I think, has... Um, well, actually, yeah, I don't know. Um, I just... I, is, is, is Maybe... I'm not sure if his, if his uh, striking is clunky or if it's just unorthodox. It's, it always looks strange to me, but it seems to work. Like I'm just waiting for it to, to get exposed. And maybe, maybe in the Lando fight it did a bit, but... That was a short notice fight. It's always kind of, it's always kind of a bit, a bit random when when somebody comes in on short notice. Maybe Tony was taking him on a bit, uh, on a bit of a uh, taking him a bit lightly. I don't know. It's it's I don't, I don't, is, is Tony that well rounded? Like, does he have double he legs, is. single legs? Well, like 
that's not his game, really, is it? His game is to go to his back. Yeah, but clinch. Yeah, but well rounded though is kind of like all rounded. That's that's a fair point. He's kind of missing the clinch and the takedowns and stuff like that. I think like uh, people like Gil Melendez and Alvarez and Ordier have more well rounded, more more well rounded, but maybe they're not they're not as good. Like you know what I mean? I think Conor McGregor's the answer to this question. He's the most well-rounded. Yeah, he probably is. Although we don't really see much of his ground game, and all the things pretty good. Oh, I wonder who he's... Habib, then his striker isn't great, yeah. Even though it's the best division. It's probably someone, like, outside of there. It's, like, probably, like... Let me look at the division. Could be somebody like Gil Melendez or... Uh, or, or ODA. Fucking Nate Diaz. Actual, actual well-rounded. He doesn't really have double legs and stuff as well. And his takedown defense is a bit lacking as well. And leg kick defense. My boy, Benil Dariush. There you go. That's the answer. No, my boy Benil, fuck you all up, fuck your life. Mm. Uh, well, rounded is kind of weird. Weird one. It's kind of like who's kind of more even day rather than who's the best yeah. at everything. That kind is of weird. true. That is true. Nick Gildea, Liverpool fan, who's probably crying Thanks. into these contracts this morning. Who do you think the fl- uh, do you think the flyweight division <laughs> will be better off when Mighty Mouse Mo- Mighty Mouse loses? No, no. I don't either. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't, don't know why it will be. I don't think he will lose either. Uh, John Minton asks, with Bellator banning national flags, do you think it's overdone in organizations or is it a promotional tool? What was the crack with it's James Garner and the flag? Yeah, he brought it out in his, in his pants, apparently. Uh, <laughs> hit it because they didn't want him to bring it out. But they didn't want, Con- when Conor McGregor's debut in the UFC, he had to grab, his, yeah, he had to sneak it in. They tried to grab it off him and he yanked it back and... I don't know. I don't know why. Why that is? It doesn't seem to make sense. If he wants to raise his flag, let him raise his flag. Um, I understand why they did it there, though. You know, in it's a tension-filled area. Now, if he was to do it in Dublin or Cork, or I think it's overplayed, else. though. I think it's, it's. I don't think it is. I think it's overplayed. I don't think anybody was massively offended with anybody putting up their flag. Yeah, and the weirdest thing about it as well was they were up on the screen. The tricolor was up on the screen behind him, and Norman Park had his whatever that flag is, Northern Ireland flag. Yeah. flag. Yeah. So if they're giving out about that, why are they putting them up on the fucking big screens? Yeah. Um, Jeff Shannon, friend of the podcast, asks if you guys in one word had to pick, who will GSP's return fight be against? See, Nick Diaz is too unreliable. <laughs> um, I, I think it will be Anderson Silva, but I think it should be Nate Diaz. Yeah, Nate Diaz would be very good. I'd like to see that. Um, it's tough to know what direction GSP is going to go with this. It really is. He's been talking like 155 rather than beating Anderson. You know, he's been talking more about dropping down than going up, from what I've heard. I, uh, I don't think he'll go to 55. He said he can make 155 and stuff. Yeah, but... Yeah. He's always he's always said he didn't want to go up to 185. He's, he's always said for years when he was... To talk about Anderson Silva fight that he didn't want to move up and if he moved up he would never be able to move down and yeah but I could say uh, I could say Eugenie Bouchard is in love with me as well doesn't mean it's true like you know <laughs> well yeah uh, GSP come on pick someone get off the fucking them, fence get off the fence Carlos Condit rematch uh, that could happen uh, <laughs> where do you see the lightweight title ending in 2017 from uh, Andy Hall at Bootneck Andy good user lightweight yeah um, I see Connor still having it. I think Khabib. Regard, oh no, yeah, well, McGregor might fight between them. Mm, yeah, I'd say McGregor still have it too. So, um, he had the same guy asked again, will you, oh no, what's it? Where, hold on. Regardless of outcome, will the winner of Khabib versus Ferguson, if they fight McGregor, be his toughest matchup? Um, no. Who, Aldo? 
I think Aldo's a tougher matchup and Diaz is a tougher style matchup than than um than Tony is for Connor. I definitely agree with Tony, but um I think it'd be with an either or um, he said either, yeah. Well, both of them. I think Khabib is probably his toughest matchup today. Although Aldo, no, I think Aldo probably is the, the best fighter out of all of them. But it just yeah. didn't go, obviously. Aldo would run through Khabib, I think, to be honest. I want to see it so much. Uh, Kevin Higgins asks about Scott Coker in the video. We spoke at length about that. Um, there's a couple of questions there. One from mm, Bear Butt Boogie, and one from <laughs> someone else there. What do you make of um, Habib's kind of in- intimidation tactics, blocking media and stuff? He blocked Robin Black, I believe, for a breakdown he did. What he blocked the, me a few years ago as well. I think it was actually Ali, his manager, trying to trying to block me though, and he just yeah. balls it up. He he follows me. Honestly, he I follows agree. me. So like he follows the good media anyway. So that's all we know. Fake news. Real news. Real breakdowns. Ah, uh, I don't. It's it's Ali. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Hundred um, um, percent. Uh, two people asked the same question. Patrick asked it, and someone else asked it, and I think it might have been asked last week as well. Dino's Linuxes or Hillbillies? I was obviously in Cork this week, and it's which is the best chipper? What what, what was it? Hillbillies and what? Dino's, Dino's what? Linuxes or Hillbillies? And I believe Kate, Linuxes. Kate, I've never had an answer. Oh, you've never had Jackie Linuxes? You're fucking. I hate you. You're worst person. <laughs> Hillbillies. Hillbillies. Hillbillies is nice. The chicken, right. the chips are shit. The, the chips are shit in Hillbillies. It's just the chicken is immense. Tit and a bun in Hillbillies. Can't beat it. Absolutely delicious. Uh, I'm going to go with Jackie Lynch. Uh, nicest chips in the world. Um, Brian Lynch asked a few questions. Is he, a, is he a misogynist for not liking women's MMA? Yes, you're very problematic. <laughs> <laughs> it depends why he doesn't like it. Yeah. Um, hot take. Habib's overrated and gets knocked the fuck out by L. Ferguson. Tony El Kukui T Ferg. It, it, it's a possibility that, he, that that Tony does, yeah. We as we discussed earlier, and I think he is overrated because he has a godlike rating, un, untouchable rating with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alan AJK underscore Dublin friend of the podcast asks, on a, this is for you on a scale of one to ten, how sick of Scott Coker's bland answers are you? Hashtag <laughs> let me get back to you on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's tough. It's tough to get a to get an answer out of him. Uh, you ask about you ask about a thirty five and forty five pound thing, and he starts talking about Janae Kavanagh. <laughs> you ask about uh, live live streams. He starts talking about a Bellator app where you can watch it back delayed. It's just not the answer to the question you're asking. It's it's a in bit fairness, frustrating. In fairness, you are about three centimeters or three millimeters away from the microphone, roaring it. Hello, Scott. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, that was, that was yeah I was trying to do the camera and the and the, the thing oh, because no, I was slacking in the back. Uh, the Undertaker, is the, it? The Undertaker, <laughs> Mark Calloway. Is P- PC's Paul Bearer from now on? So there, there you go. Uh, Archie Kane, <laughs> uh, I think he's Paul Bearer. PC Bearer, let's call him from now on. <laughs> That's a good there, there you go. There. I'm looking forward to. Uh, I'm looking forward to. Um, uh, what is it? Um, talking caskets this week. It should be fun. Should be, a, should be a fun podcast this week. Uh, right, last question. Tom McCarthy at 84 Tom Tom. That's terminate, actually. I was telling Niall he needs to change the, the talking bras music because it sucks and he needs to put the Undertaker music there instead. Yeah, it is pretty terrible. I agree. He definitely does. Uh, what's the here, best here, type Message Niall at Niall McGrath for on Twitter and tell him yeah. that he needs to change the talking bras from that terrible intro he has. Yeah. And the, it's live. It's not even live. 
tell him it's not even Ta- alive. It takes him off. as well, and we might He's give you a really prize. Easily, easily pissed off, and it's yeah. great fun. I recommend no, everybody. Does it. Yeah, and he doesn't listen to his podcast as well, so he doesn't know. He wouldn't doesn't know we tell you. So just do it out of the blue. He doesn't know he really like him every week and everything. It's brilliant. No, he doesn't have a clue. So we're going to keep doing it all the time. But um, yeah, that should be fun. Uh, right at eighty four, Tom Tom. What's the best title fight in paper the UFC have booked so far for two thousand seventeen? Um, hmm. Uh, what's lined up? Do you have a the two, quick, the two this list? weekend? I suppose are the closest. Are the the flyweight. Yeah. There's no flyweight title. Um, I suppose yeah. the, the bantamweight is lined up all right. Great fight, TJ against uh, Cody. Uh, at featherweight, it's yeah. uh, Aldo against Max is coming up. Great fight at lightweight. The, the interim fight is this week. Yeah, uh, between um, Tony and um, uh, Khabib. Khabib uh, uh, Bab. is that what uh, a calls him? he calls him. The, the, the welterweight title is this weekend as well between uh, Woodley and Wonderboy. The middleweight title hasn't been announced yet. Best being still on the sidelines, looking for the easiest fights you can get. A lightweight, <laughs> uh, the light heavyweight, Daniel Cormier against uh, Anthony Johnson. That should be a great fight. And the heavyweight title yeah. is going to be JDS against Stipe. Uh, strawweight is going to be Yuani uh, Injecek against Jessica Andrade. Great fight. Um, uh, the bantamweight title is going to be between Man and Nunes versus Valentina Shevchenko hasn't been announced yet and Holly Holm not Holly Holm sorry Jaren Randomy against uh, Christine Cyborg Justino looks like going to be that one but that hasn't been announced yet either so there's my knowledge there out for you off the cuff all the titles uh, oh there's a couple like, and this weekend's ones are probably the, yeah, the two the best main event and co-main event in that order and then and then um I really want to see Holloway and, and Aldo as well. I just want to see what it looks like. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, there's some very good fights lined up, but by, by the time we get to the fight, they, they might not be there. <laughs> Injuries and... Don't be saying that. Stop your nonsense. Uh, just being realistic. I think um, Holloway... No, sorry. Um, Khabib versus El Kakui is the best fight in the history of the UFC. So there you go. <laughs> Really? Uh, yeah, I do. I honestly do. I think it's unbelievable. I think they're both brilliant. And I think you're too negative about Mariana. I think you should apologize to everyone right now. And Zlatan Ibrahimovic while you're at it. I wasn't negative. I was just very saying negative, that. Uh, very mean to. That they're not. That Khabib isn't floating above us. And that. Uh, what did I say about Tony? I didn't put Tony down. <laughs> I didn't say he's overrated. Imagine if he did calf slice from after I called it. Imagine. Yeah, we'd never fucking hear the end of it. I know. I, I do that thing a lot things like that a lot so the one time I'm right I can dine out on it. like when over him <laughs> when, when Travis Brown front kicked over him I called that before I said he's going to win by front kick to the face and he did and I literally tweeted it and it's about three years since it happened I tweeted it again like last week so there you go dine out on it forever but anyway that's the end of the story James was James on Junior you say back in the days um James Bond Junior. <laughs> yeah, do you remember James Bond Junior? Yeah, I actually do. Yeah. What's the what's the? Do you remember the song of it? I can't remember. No, no, I don't. But were you a fan of Animaniacs when you were young? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. We are Animaniacs, and we're crazy to the max. No, 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 no. I don't know the world. Uh, my favorite, my favorite <laughs> was um. Do you know? Do you know the young girl and the dog? Uh, okay, I love you. Bye bye. Remember her? Yeah, Pinky uh, in the brain. No. Do you remember the, do you remember the cat dog team tune? Yeah, cool. nah. Nah, 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 cat dog. I don't know. Tell me, go on. Alone in the world, little cat dog. <laughs> I used to love cat dog. Was he half dog, half cat, or half cat, half dog? 
<laughs> and on that we ended that should be the my inspiration God. but yeah stay, keep it tuned to Severe May we'll have all the uh, <laughs> we'll have all the embedded up <laughs> keep it playing keep that playing while we get out here um, you'll have Sean Sheehan's preview up tweet it out tweet out the podcast <laughs> what, listen to Doc and Brawls later on you probably, people don't even know what we're talking about. Niall McGrath looked like the Undertaker in Undertaker in his interviews. Interviews up on youtube.com forward slash severe art. Go listen to the Undertaker. And as we leave you, the dead man. <laughs> There's the inspirational quote for the week. I know you have to put on the music for the uh, for the inspirational quote. Go on, throw it on. A happy person is not a person in a certain set of circumstances, but rather a person with a certain set of attitudes. We'll see you next Tuesday.